This episode, like every episode of Watch Out for Fireballs, is brought to you by our patrons. Patreon.com slash DuckFeedTV. Um, go over there. Check it out. For $5 a month, you get a bunch of extra stuff. And you definitely get the premium episodes of Watch Out for Fireballs put out once a month, including the episode next week on Bioshock Infinite. Also want to throw in a quick plug. My band put out an EP. If you go to modridge.bandcamp.com, that's M-O-D-R-I-D-G-E dot bandcamp.com, you can check out our EP, No Springs Honest Wait. Uh, it's four tracks. It is free to listen to, $4 to download. So please check that out, and big thank you to everyone who does, and big thank you to all our patrons, especially William Rouse, who requested this episode on Supergiant's Pyre. <laughs> My name is Cole Ross. And you're listening to Watch Out for Fireballs. It is a Games Club podcast. And this week we are talking about Pyre, which is a sports RPG developed and published by Supergiant Games in 2017. Mm-hmm. Like RPG visual novel. Yes. Uh, kind of thing. Uh, this is a patron request from William Rouse. Thank you, William. Thank you, William Rouse. Yeah. Really do appreciate it. Rounding out the uh, repertoire of currently complete Supergiant Games. Yeah, I don't see a universe in which we don't do everything they release. Yep. Even if this is my least favorite Super Giant game. Yeah. Um, which we'll talk about. We will. Um, now. <laughs> Buckle up. Yep. So. Buckle up. Yeah, this is a strange one. Um, and, you know, it was especially, I mean, I, I had difficulty even just calling it a sports RPG because there's a lot that's kind of wrapped up in this. It's. I mean, I think sports visual novel is accurate. Yeah, yeah. Like the RPG elements are not very strong in it, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, the visual novel elements are stronger and then sports are definitely a touchstone. Yes. So, uh, in this game, there's, so get ready for nouns. We're, we're going to start saying nouns. Yeah. This is just know that we're we're onboarding you with the experience of actually playing Pyre. (laughs) Right. Um, yeah, we're, we're going to say a bunch of nouns. This is weirdly a, um, a good companion for final fantasy 10 in, in a certain regard as, as regards sports as religion. (laughs) <laughs> yeah. Well, also, in just to show a contrast of someone picking something up through context clues. Yes. So, like, right off the bat, like in Pyre, the character you play is called a reader. Mm-hmm. No one says, what's a reader? Right. And in this, you could arguably, there is less of a, a connection mm-hmm. between somebody who reads and a capital R reader mm-hmm. and somebody who guards and a capital G guardian. <laughs> right. A capital G guardian guards. Right. Titus is an idiot. Here, <laughs> they trust the player to have a modicum of inference. Uh-huh. And just figure it out through context. Yes. Because it is, I don't know, 20 or 30 times better written. 
Um, like it is, this is one of the, this is a really good, well-written game. Like, yes, I have a lot of problems with it, but it's a very well-written game. And mm-hmm. that's a mark of good writing is that you don't have to stop and just like halt <laughs> a progress to explain your nouns. Yeah. Um, um so, uh, and we, we, we can talk about the way that they handle that context too. Cause I think that's really yeah. neat. There's a neat thing they do. Mm-hmm. Um, so you play as a capital R reader who is an unseen person, uh, but definitely a character. Yes. You're not just the player who is guiding a group of exiles through a wasteland kind of purgatory zone called the downside. And you're performing these religious rites, uh, which are sports games in order to earn your freedom and go back to the real world. Yes. So to speak. Yeah. So there are two major parts to this and it's kind of strange because it makes sense to talk about the sports section. It makes sense to talk about the rights first, even though the visual novel section takes up much more screen time. More screen time and is stronger, I think. Yeah. Um, which we'll, we'll get into that, like not to get too quickly into evaluation, but it's like the way that these two things, uh, the potential they had for working together and the way they don't is ultimately, I think, the, the fatal flaw of this. Right. Um, so the two major parts, it has the rights, uh, the rights are basically three on three basketball games. Yes. Um, a kind of slow paced version of it with a lot of little quirks that we're going to talk about, Mm -hmm. but it is your three players, uh, playing basketball, stuffing a orb, Mm -hmm. uh, into the enemy's pyre, titular pyre, which is like represents their, it's their goal, but represents Mm -hmm. their life force. Yes. Yeah. So a lot of orb happening in this particular video game. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Could um, use more. Yeah. So um just you know basics. We're gonna be describing a sport, so this is gonna feel weird. Um well, we, we know this sport. <laughs> like we spent a lot of time on this sport. I <laughs> feel did, confident describing the bylaws of, of pyre rights. I suppose, yeah. You know? Yeah. yeah. Um so. so listen for a bonus episode where we try to describe basketball. Yeah. Um <laughs> which I don't actually I couldn't tell you how many people are on a team in basketball. I think it's six. Okay. But I don't actually know. Yeah, so. it's it's five. It's five. It's five. Okay, I was pre- that's pretty close. <laughs> yeah, it's... I was counting the hoop as a player. If you're <laughs> with the ball and me, uh-huh. <laughs> it's Mr. Bucket. <laughs> Put the balls in my mouth. <laughs> Loads of fun. Uh, uh, yeah. So. <laughs> yeah. Um, so uh, these sections take place on a field. Uh, there's a pyre at either end, and the goal is to snuff that out using the uh, the, the celestial sphere. You control one player to, one player at a time and can switch mm-hmm. between them at will, um, yep. passing the ball kind of instantly uh, if you have if you have possession. Um, mm-hmm. And something that I think I can see the reason why they made this choice, but it it definitely doesn't help the pace of play. Um, but the choice they made was that non-active teammates will remain stationary. I think this is a big problem, actually. Yeah. Um, like, it does harm the pace of play because anytime you pass to a player, you are starting at the... There's no positioning mm-hmm. for those players that you don't manually do. Like, it is untenable to hold the ball and then position another player to pass it to them in a certain position. Mm-hmm. Holding up, like holding the ball and doing that, you'll not be controlling that player. Um, you can't actually can't control a player that doesn't have the ball. Right. So there is no setting up a pass. Right. Um, the way you would do that is to put a character where you want to ultimately pass to pass to a person get them to where you want them to pass from mm-hmm. and then pass to the first character yeah um and passing is a big part of sports mm-hmm. i know enough about sports to know that yeah um, it, just, it, it, it was not a factor in my in, in any, any of my strategies or plays really yeah it just doesn't yeah I, I very rarely did it and something that's that's worth noting and i want to just put this as a blanket thing um essentially to 
to deflect this criticism. Like I did not, uh, I'm going to talk about some systems in this that I didn't engage with. Mm-hmm. I played this on normal all the way through and did not lose about. Right. Um, I do not think this game, I think this game is too easy. Yeah. And I think the ways that it could be hard are not necessarily interesting. Right. Um, like wouldn't have increased challenge, but me saying I didn't engage with the system. I just don't, it's not like, Oh, well, if you had done this, it's actually a lot easier. Mm-hmm. Like, no, it was pr- plenty easy. I did not struggle with it. Yeah. You know? Um, so I very, very rarely engage with passing. Um, which really cuts down on the strategy mm-hmm. of sports because your units, one of the things I like is that your units are so different, right? but you're just essentially making a choice. Mm-hmm. So this whole aspect of the fact that units are inactive when they're not holding the ball means that oftentimes I would just have some like, uh, you know, be- like seat warmers, right? like essentially some people who I had on the team who I had never planned on using, mm-hmm. who would just stand next to the goal, not yeah performing a defensive function just stand right. next to it yeah for the entire bout and just i would just flip back and forth between the two people i cared about mm-hmm. or sometimes one person i cared about you know depending on whether i was uh dunking it or throwing it in right um so like i just i think that's a real big problem and i understand like this is a small studio like doing the ai for defense yeah and, stuff, and just rough. how zoomed in it is like it would look very crowded if everything mm-hmm. was moving like the action is not super easy to follow in general right I think um, that would make a, a big problem, but this made me was a contributing factor in this not working as a sports game to me. Yeah. Um, additionally, the, uh, the 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 complication that that brings, or the system that it kind of sidelines, is a little bit of the offense and defense portion of it. Mm-hmm. Specifically, what you are doing to take other players off of the board. Um, yes. Really, like I found myself spending a lot of time shooting people who were just standing still. Yep, <laughs> like, just, yeah, like just getting rid of them. Yeah, and They're having having my people who were back, who were in the backfield, having them be being taken out as well. Yeah, it is just it is a strategy to just it'd be like imagine football if the strategy was before anyone picks up the ball to pre-tackle right. the other team and then you pick up the ball and go unimpeded to the goal. Uh huh. That is a, a very common strategy, for my experience, at least in Pyre. Yeah. Um, and those players don't try not to get tackled. Mm-hmm. Um, the, uh, so that, that is very silly. The way you can tackle people is you either – you have an aura around you. Um, very notably, this disappears if you're holding the ball. Right. But if you don't have the ball, you can get close to somebody and tackle them. Um, by hitting them with their, your aura – You'll knock them out. They'll be banished for a time, so they're mm-hmm. off the field for a few seconds. Yeah. Um, you can also, uh, I mean, there's actually a little bit more than this. Each character has kind of a bespoke um, offensive option, mm-hmm. but the most general one is casting your aura, which you charge for a second, and then you throw kind of a beam down the field that is your aura, and if that hits somebody, it will have the same effect as you tackling them. Yes. Um, th- so that banishment system is why I make some comparisons between this and hockey. Like mm-hmm. knocking somebody off of the field puts them down a man, um, like having yes. somebody in the penalty box um, uh, does for hockey. Uh, yes. You know, and that is a huge part of your strategy to the point where, like, the time that you spend in the box is related to one of your four stats. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Um, so, yeah. So that is, you know, ostensibly a build. You can mm-hmm. have to, like, not have it be a big consequence when you get tackled. And eventually, right. you know, the way the RPG visual novel stuff interacts with this is you can manipulate uh, those stats, which we'll talk about. Yes. Um, you you also have a dodge, which you know allows you to kind of dodge out of the way. Um, mm-hmm. It's some kind of quick, uh, you know, quick move. Um, it's pinned to a stamina meter. Um, you also have a dash, and these are again one of the things I like about the game is the wide variety of options. Yes. That you have for these, like characters feel very different in Pyre. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's cool. Like, I mean, I ended up just kind of liking 
you know, I used some characters. I just did, definitely didn't use other characters. Mm-hmm. Like didn't couldn't find a place for them on my team. Yeah. The way um, that it worked out for me was the choices that they make, especially toward the back, forced me to spend time and get acquainted with some of those characters who were kind of bench warmers mm-hmm. uh, up to the start. I eventually found a good use for all of them. They, um, um, there's another system that does that too. If yeah. you overplay with a character, they can get sick. They get banishment sickness. <laughs> they they, get, they yeah, spend they, too much time in the void. <laughs> yeah, they spend too much time in the void. And they have to take a take a knee because they want you not only to. They are very like there are a lot of ways this game shots this game takes to tie the sports side to the visual novel side and make you intertwine those in your heart. Right. I feel like, and that's one of them. Uh-huh. Uh, you know, maybe I will like this character more if they made the game winning goal Yeah. for me. Um, and that, that did not land for me. Mm-hmm. Like personally, like I ended up liking some of the characters in this, but it wasn't those two part halves of it never mixed for me. Right. Um, in a meaningful way. Um, the uh so yeah you have different dashes as well we talked about different dodges you actually have different dashes as as well mm-hmm. um when you're carrying the ball we talked about how you don't have an aura you also cannot tackle you can only run past um kind of slam dunk the the thing into the goal mm-hmm. slam dunk the orb into the goal which is just you and then you get banished yourself right for a time or you can shoot it into the goal which is much more vulnerable you have to stop and charge that up yeah um and it can be intercepted but if you do that, you do not get banished. Right. Um, and the charge isn't just for kind of the trajectory of the ball. It's also for how many points that of health it will take yes. off of the pyre as well. Yep. Which is also tied to a stat. Yes. That you have. Yep. So that is, if you manage to get one of your slow defensive members to the other side, they will do more damage mm-hmm. uh, than your quick members that are designed to score that will plink away at the enemy. Yeah. Um, I think that this, so the, the, the choice to make you completely vulnerable when you have the ball um, mm-hmm. And to have specifically the different size auras as well. This led to the most exciting times in the, uh, the the sports section for me where you had those narrow misses, those last minute dodges, um, mm-hmm. you know, like just that kind of high drama of getting a uh, getting a score when it looks like you absolutely were not going to make it. Um, yeah, that stuff is I... good. <laughs> yeah. There's a pocket knocking down a, a fan. <laughs> Leave that in. Pocket. Okay. Everyone says they they missed the ambient cat audio. Well, <laughs> so you like donuts, do you? <laughs> like, here it is. That's the ambient cat dialogue we're dealing with now with Hellraiser here. Um, the uh, So, yeah, I, I had a couple of those moments, too, mm-hmm. where it got uh, pretty close. The games were so rarely close yeah. enough. For that to feel like yeah. meaningful in a in a long term narrative sense, right? Um, and the game, like, well, I'm sure this is a later point, but it's worth talking about. Losing a game does not end the game, right? Like losing a bout, rather. So, I actually didn't make a note of that, but you're encouraged to just kind of accept the results as they come. Yep, and that is the remit of the game. So, like interviews with the developer, they said that the theme they wanted to make, the thing they want to explore with Pyre, is what do you do after you fail. Right. Like what do how do people move on? How do people dust themselves off, pick themselves up and do the same thing again? Mm-hmm. Um, get back into it. And that for me, would, the game that would land a lot better if they made it harder. <laughs> it would land if it made it harder, but also like the ways it was harder would have to be like it's not a very good sports game. Mm-hmm. Like it would have to to my mind, like I yeah. know that it's subjective. So like the ways it would be hard, it would have to be harder. It would have to be uh, the consequences for failure would have to be more interesting. Mm hmm. For that, like, even if it is meant to feel like a failure, it could at least be interesting right. to do that. Like, um, to me, like, this is the time that a super giant game, like, I know what their goal was. They've stated it. Like, mm-hmm. I don't, 
you know, we spent a lot of time kind of guessing what the goal of Bastion was and making what I felt to be like educated guesses on that, like pretty good guesses about what the idea behind Bastion was. Right. A little less so a transistor because transistor is very obtuse. Mm -hmm. But for this, I know explicitly what they were going for and it failed for me. Right. Like I, oh, I just didn't get that experience. I didn't feel that. Yeah. You know, like you want me to feel a, I didn't feel a. Right. You know, and that's just like, it's more damning than I want it to be because there's a lot to recommend this. And I love these developers. Yes. I, you know, I love Pi or I love uh, uh, Bastion. I love Transistor. I'm super mm -hmm. excited for Hades. Like, I love these guys. We will get to the sugar section of this game, which I think this is like top five, like beautiful games we've played for the show. Oh, absolutely. The, the color palette they choose in this game is my favorite one of anything we've done so, on the show. It is so good. The the, the, the red and blue and just kind of the. Um, yeah. Just the, bold. The... <laughs> hyper saturated colors every single land you go into this game i would like a print of yes like it is there's so much artfulness that goes into this mm -hmm. and for me to come away from it not liking it which is like jumping ahead we have more specifics to talk yeah, about but yeah. for me come away from not liking it breaks my heart right like i remember um reading somebody on twitter in 2016 uh when uh this game was being announced and was going to come out and somebody being like man pyre and prey like it's crazy that my two favorite games next year are going to be anagrams <laughs> And I was like, yeah, me too, man. Like, yeah, like that's, that's going to be awesome. Yeah. I can't wait for, I can't wait for Prey that looks cool as hell. Uh -huh. I can't wait for Pyre. I love Supergiant. And I put off playing it because I knew we'd do it for the show at some point. Right. And just like, yeah, I love Prey. Mm -hmm. And I just, I just did not have a very good time with this game. Yeah. yeah. Um. So anywho, let's get back more into, into specifics. It's just like, yeah, they, we know what they were trying to do with that, that element of you continuing when you fail. Mm -hmm. um, you can continue when you fail, which is better than a game over. Yes. You can also restart restart bouts whenever you want to. You're encouraged not to. It tells you, it warns you and says like, hey, even if you lose, the game will go on. Um, I only did this during the like weird void matches to get power ups. Yeah, yeah. Because it was like, what's going to be the interesting thing that happens if I fail this? I had to wait two days to do it again. <laughs> right. You're like, that's not going to be very cool. This is this doesn't count. It's a weird void match. Yes. You know, yeah. And we'll talk about void matches in a moment. Yeah. Um, so we mentioned this before, but if you score by jumping into the fire or by uh, running into the fire, you will be banished for the entire next round, uh, which mm -hmm. means it is two on three, which puts you at a uh, disadvantage for the return. So that is yes. a way that they try and um, stop you from just stomping. But it's see, the thing is, to, though, is it's not a disadvantage because you're only ever these are effectively one on one matches. Yes. Like. And it just means you don't get to use that character since the other two, since your bench or whatever mm -hmm. goes, comes into play. So infrequently being mm -hmm. down a man never bothered me. Right. I'm only using one guy mm -hmm. like for almost all of this. Every once in a while I'd pass, but it's so exceedingly rare that like a two on three match was not particularly difficult right. to me. And it didn't, I didn't have that feeling of sacrifice or rubber banding mm -hmm. from that, you know? Yeah, the I only... guess that's what they were going for. I just didn't feel it. Yeah, the only time that happened was was when I was facing against a particularly quick or aggressive team. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, and there there are a handful of those that 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 that, that specialize in, in in those kind of aspects of the play where they were banishment heavy anyway, and they would get me you know get me down to a single person. Um, yeah, you know, and they can like you can have everybody in your team banished, and they they can get a good open run at the uh, at, at the pyre. But once uh, but, they score a point, you get all of your guys back no matter what. Right. So it kind of resets. And yeah. that ends up kind of being a strategy as well. Um, if you just cannot make a goal, uh, I would sometimes tank mm -hmm. a thing. Like I'm ahead by a, a reasonable lead. I just can't make it with like my third character that I was kind of forced to use. 
Um, I'm just going to let them get banished just so I can try again next round and get my two other characters who are banished, get them back in the field and get two points in a row. Yeah. Um, yeah. So the, like the being down one didn't really affect me because the majority of my, of, of my play anyway, revolved around two people, which is somebody in the, in in the front field and somebody in the backfield. Yep. Me too. Yeah. Um, and you just kind of have that middle person who is, I don't know, just kind of standing off to the side. Like they literally like most matches, they just stood there the whole time. It it was left field. Yeah. Or right field rather. That's the one people don't, uh, don't get very much action. in, if I recall. Right. Um, yeah. So like I had a right, a lot of right fielders. Mm -hmm. Um, all the players you can use, uh, in the main story come from a different race and the different races kind of give them a class. Right. Um, and these are different, uh, give them do those different verbs you mentioned before, different kind of aura cast, different kinds of dashes and different kinds of dodges. Yes. Uh, we'll talk about those specifically when we get the character that is a representative from that race. Mm-hmm. Um, in addition to the initial three people that we work with who are yep. pretty good. It's a pretty good balanced squad. Yeah. Um, they're also, uh, they're not only different races, but they wear these different masks. So mm-hmm. in the overlay of the religion that's over this sport, they're representing these different, uh, totems. Yes. Yeah. 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 So your strategy is going to be determined by the composition of your two teams um, and by the layout of the field. Uh, So, you know, as you go on, you get different kinds of um, layouts um, and hazards and things like that. Like, I think that the variety in play fields does do an awful lot to bring some interest to some of these Mm -hmm. matches where they don't they, they, they feel very different from each other to me. The, the best ones for me were the ones that progressively changed. Yes. Um, the ones that were static, even if they did have like, you know, a little wall on both sides, like they're always symmetrical. Yeah. So it's fair. Um, those didn't do a whole lot for me. Mm-hmm. Um, but ones where they got worse as you scored, yeah. which happens in the end game were pretty interesting. Mm-hmm. Some uh, of those got pretty rough. I liked the one, the one where you can, uh, push around the different cover obstacles like pucks on the ice. Yeah. Yeah. That was really fun. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so these characters, mm-hmm. uh, each have, uh, four stats. Um, one is the amount of damage they do to the pyre, one is the size of their aura, one is their movement speed, and one is their banishment dur- duration. Yeah. Um, and, these make pretty big differences. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, and you can increase these um, either through uh, a skill tree. Each character has a very basic skill tree with two paths uh, down the end. Um, there are kind of specializations that relatively lend themselves to different builds. Right. Um, and kind of, it's a good way to suggest what you're supposed to be using that character for. Mm-hmm. If you have no idea that kind of comes up with some of the more complex characters later. And then you can also, uh, just through the course of the story, um, you can get buffs just, uh, in kind of visual novel world, or you can buy or find talismans, which provide bonuses. Yes. Um, these can be upgraded. This was a thing too, that I really wanted to be different. Mm-hmm. Um, I wish you could equip more than one of these. Yeah. Uh, because I would get their bespoke one mm-hmm. through the void matches. Uh, and then that would be it. Right. And I would just find talismans over and over and over. And they were just things to sell. But then I had nothing to buy because I wasn't buying talismans. Yeah. Um, um, other than upgrade materials. And then there, uh, later they introduced some permanent upgrades you can buy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I ended up like any anytime I was given an opportunity to choose between a temporary buff um, experience for a different person um, or a, uh, uh, you a know, global buff. Buff? yeah like, like a global oh. buff or or like extra money or a chance to find a new talisman oh, yeah. i just didn't go for money or the talisman i just yeah. i didn't find it necessary to engage with the economy in this especially once you start getting characters who are 
who are ready to go to those void matches. We should talk about those now because mm-hmm. I didn't have uh, a time for them, and that is um, part of the super giantness of this of this game. Yeah, which is you know bespoke challenges either for you know in other games it is for a particular weapon. Here it is mm-hmm. you know di- different characters are your weapons. Yes, you get a you get a uh, some kind of either cursed orb or book. Uh, I can't remember which. I think it's an orb. Another orb. It's an orb that and, has a team that uh, was banished. Yeah, um, a sassy, a sassy orb <laughs> led by a sassy demon. Right. And the sassy demon will challenge you and be like, you know, the the camera is called the haunted orb wants mm-hmm. rookie, and then rookie can do a one on three match. And if you do it, you get a, a bespoke talisman that is very powerful mm-hmm. and that is attuned a to their specialties. Right. Um, these are almost always worth doing. Mm-hmm. Um, and I thought at first I was like, oh man, one on three match. Yeah. But because again, because of that way that nobody acts unless they are active, it just means, Hey, banish the other people. Right. They're so easy. Like they're, they're super easy. I had to restart one of them, but like, and there, there there's like one other one I had a hard time with and one I didn't do. I didn't do the mm. one for tree man. Right. And, uh, but it, there's some of them I had a hard time with, um, or I had a hard time with the worm one because I couldn't banish people effectively with that guy. Right. But, um, everyone else, it's just like take your time, clear the field, you know, tackle everybody before anybody picks up the ball mm-hmm. and then calmly walk into the goal. Yes. You know, and cause it's a one on three going into the pyre doesn't bring you out at all. Mm-hmm. So you can always go into the pyre. Right. Um, so these are worth it, but they weren't desperate or they didn't feel like the, the bastion challenge matches. Yeah. To me, um, they, they, they definitely, you know, so they're different, right? Like you're going up against different folks. Like if you're playing as Jody in this, then you're going to be put up against fast people because she is incredibly slow, right? Mm-hmm. Like it feels like the, the, the composition of the other team is there, but ultimately it does not feel as disparate as like the different weapon trials in mm-hmm. either of the, you know, previous two super giant games that we, that we discussed. So that because was a key, bummer to me. Because the key, no matter what, is banish your people. Right. You know, unless you like can't, there's a couple of characters that's very difficult, but it's almost always just banish the other teams. You can walk right into the goal. And that's not a slow process. Like, this is not me choosing to like, oh, like I'm going to deplete the Warcraft army by destroying all the forest around them. Right. Like, it's not slow to do that. It's pretty quick to just banish them all. You're just mm-hmm. controlling one character. Like, it wasn't me choosing a boring strategy that was tedious. It was no more tedious than it would be to actually just get tackled sometimes. Right. So, um, that is the, those are the void matches. Those will come semi randomly. It feels like, um, there may be some logic to win the void calls for different players, but I could not figure it out. Yeah. It, 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 it didn't seem to be explicitly pinned to like a certain experience level to me. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. yeah, don't know. Another thing here. That's another super giant, um, kind of staple that we should talk about are yes. the constellations. Yeah, yeah. The, um, the Super Giant always stars. has modifiers. Yeah, the Titan Stars. So there are um, fairly actually like kind of late, like halfway through the game, they introduce modifiers. Mm-hmm. You know, these will be very familiar to anyone who's a fan of the developer. Mm-hmm. Uh, these will be modest XP gains in exchange for either the uh, other team, like breaking the rules or getting stat buffs, mm-hmm. essentially. Yes. Um, and I looked at the different ways that they would make the matches harder and it didn't really seem worth the gamble to me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they don't they don't make the AI better generally. It's right. just like a pure numbers thing. Yeah. Like your pyre starts with less health, their pyre starts with more. Um for a big section of the mid game, I did the pyre ones. Yeah. Like my pyre starting with less, theirs starting with more, trying to craft some drama mm-hmm. um that refused to happen. So then I undid them because I was in a rush to finish the game. Right. Not because of a deadline, like I finished this like last ago? week or a week yeah. yeah two weeks ago um but because i wanted to play other stuff right 
Yeah. So all of this comes together. Like you can see the super giant DNA here, right? Like mm-hmm. in the previous games, you know, they, like, they often boil choices down to one or the other. You yep. will, um, improve this, a- this aspect of your weapon or power up or this aspect. Um, and you're making a bunch of those choices to specialize either to cater to your style of play or shore up, you know, the weaknesses that are inherent, uh, to that, um, you know, to to that particular character that's here, but because Mm -hmm. the action portion of this, you know, has the problems that we've already kind of laid out. Um, it doesn't feel as strongly expressed or satisfying to make those kinds of choices. Yeah. Yeah. One of of the big things I came away from this was just like, it matters what you're doing in a game. Right. You know, like what I actually spend, you know, I say that all the time, like usually as applies to old uh, RPG games, but like what I'm spending most of my time doing matters. Mm -hmm. Uh, to me and this is highly subjective i know that there are people who just love the sports section of this yeah yeah like full stop like you can play it for fun from the menu you mm-hmm. can play a multiplayer yep. um i did i just had a very different experience so if it works for you mm-hmm. like you know we can only be ourselves when right. we do this show and we we criticize something so like take into account like you should try it for yourself because mm-hmm. there should be a patina over this whole episode where you're like but what if you what if I liked the sports thing? Yeah, because one of the other things I want to talk about, and I want to talk about it after we uh, do the visual novel part is how they intersect mm-hmm. and how this game to me is a real refutation of the, um, oh, just turn off encounters and play through the game for the story. Right. Kind of mindset that comes up for things, because I think this game is a really good example of why that doesn't work. Mm-hmm. Um, and we will talk about it. Uh, yeah. But let's talk about just kind of the different uh, visual no- uh, novel aspect, the things you're doing when you're not on the court. Yes. So like I said earlier, this takes up the majority of the runtime. You're going to be reading a lot of this text and getting to know these characters and the world, uh, both the downside by experiencing it um, and seeing the different biomes that are around. And also you're going to learn about the world that all of them were exiled from by kind of hearing their what are you in for stories um, mm-hmm. and uh, kind of learning what things were like for them before they ended up here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. And that's all pretty good mm-hmm. stuff. Like I actually like the writing in this game. As I mentioned, I think these characters are all really well sketched. Yes. Like interesting. The, uh, the sound design, they don't speak English. Mm-hmm. They speak just like a couple lines of a, a language that is made up. Right. Uh, and that is a really smart choice. Like you get a feeling of the characters very well. Yes. Um, the, like. the, 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 the characters like, like as characters, they're well scratched, well sketched, um, as visual things on the screen, they are beautifully drawn and rendered. Yes. Um, you're going to be seeing a lot of them, you know, like when we say a visual novel, like it is, the, there's a lot of just, you know, straight two up, you know, you could, you got a character, character on the left character on the right, talking to each other. Um, yep. I love their poses. I love, uh, kind of everything about their design. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It looks good. Yeah. You know, I was surprised. In no universe would I think that I would come away from this liking the visual novel aspect of it <laughs> yeah, more than is, I like the rest of it. That is, it's very weird, but it's it's really good. Like uh, it, it, you know, I don't always find visual novels really well written. I think this is really well written. Right. Um. So, uh, the world that, and part of the reason why I think it's really well written is that the world has is huge, has tons of history and detail, um, tons of those proper nouns in it. Mm-hmm. Um. The game does two very smart things. One. Um, instead of giving you a codex where you have to go to a different menu to look things up right. and read like a Wikipedia entry, Dragon Age style, you instead just hover over a word and it gives you an evocative little phrase. Mm-hmm. It's like, uh, you know, a Dark Souls item description, essentially. Yes. Of the thing. Um, that's really great. 
Um, the second thing it does, well, I mean, there's this, this one in the notes too that's true. Like it keeps a record of your teammates' biographies. So mm-hmm. when you learn newer information, you can read them as a narrative Yeah. once you put them together. I didn't engage with this very much because I just got it from them when I was talking to them. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you can review. The third thing I think it does is it's just very smart about when to lean on um, when the, the player's inference. Yes. Like I didn't need to know a lot of this stuff mm-hmm. um, to enjoy the game. Like I would because it was interesting, but like, if something was not interesting to me and somebody mentioned something, yeah. I'm like, oh, like, I feel like I have a good idea of that. And yeah. the drama of this and the characterization and the dialogue is very snappy. Mm-hmm. Like, it has a feeling of, like, um, a little bit of, like, watching a Shakespeare play where, like, you maybe don't follow every line in perfect detail. Mm-hmm. But you get a sense of what everything is and, so, like, the things that stand out allow you to kind of build a framework that you fill in yourself yeah, and ends up being more evocative than it would be if it were just written as a straight, like if this took place, uh, you know, if like you were in, uh, you know, Portland and then the downside (laughs) was Vancouver, Washington, (laughs) and it just used all nouns nouns I was familiar with. Right. um, You know, that would be less evocative than this because the fact that I didn't know exactly what everything was, I didn't read all of the codexes and memorize this and get like a degree it you know at pyre you right made it actually bigger and cooler in my mind yeah and i think that the way that they that they accomplish that is by having an awful lot of those uh you know kind of I, you know, ideas or nouns that would be foreign really the focus is on the impact that this has on the characters that you're growing to be yes. uh, attached to right like it is there there's very little that is just kind of strictly academic or historical when mm-hmm. you, when they talk about the high wing remnants well you're gonna see people bo- who spent their lives fighting them um and are kind of dealing with the fallout of that huge conflict that has been ongoing and you're going to see it from a bunch of different angles they make it real by making it real for the people that you care about exactly Uh, they like that they understand that the 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 leading edge of this wedge is going to be the people that you spend time with yep and that is one of the ways it's successful in that you know and and i just i love that so much more like as opposed to a codex Mm -hmm. like i could read the wikipedia entry right on the high wing remnants or i can see what they're like in real life Mm mm-hmm you know, or in like quote unquote real life, like real life of like <laughs> right. It's real to um, me, damn it. Um, another aspect of this that is like worth mentioning, and this is a real mixed bag, is mm-hmm. this is uh for Supergiant, a shockingly direct and simple story. Yes. Like there's a lot of those nouns, but mm-hmm. the actual arc of this is and they are explicit with it. Yeah. Um, you know, if you look at Bastion, that had a lot of room for interpretation. Mm-hmm. Um Transistor offloaded its stories into different combinations of power-ups mm-hmm. and turned them into these huge walls of text right. that I don't think landed super well for either of us. This swings back so far the other way that this is a story about uh, class con- conflict right. that is as direct as anything they've ever done. Yes. And it just tells you. <laughs> it just says the things. And yeah. This actually has, to me, um, one of the things they're trying to, and we'll talk about it when it actually uh, comes up as the first big twist, mm-hmm. um, when people start ascending from this right, that was supposed to have an impact that was failed for me because of how direct this story was <laughs> and how little ambiguity there was in what is actually the greater good Right. in this. You can always, this is a story where the morals are very black and white, mm-hmm. and you can often, uh, not in every situation, but in a grand, in a story sense, on a story scale, and you can fall back on the greater good to short circuit some of these difficult moral choices mm-hmm. um, very easily, actually. Yes. 
Um, and that threw me off because I walked into this with a bastion or transistor uh, posture expecting there to be this ambiguity or imperfect information um, or at least some sense of betrayal, right? Like mm-hmm. your betray- betrayal is a huge part of those first two games. There are a couple of people that I thought were going to be bad actors, but no, actually they're, they're nope. generally straight up. Oh, pretty. Everyone's pretty straight up. Like yeah. same, same thing. That is actually the, the secret theme for this month <laughs> is expectations being subverted because, yeah. you know, Super Mario Brothers two does not play like Mario, like Mario one. Mm-hmm. Um, this game does not play have that aspect of a super giant game mm-hmm. and Bioshock Infinite is not an immersive sim mm-hmm. like all of these things are dressed up in genres or philosophies or series that they actually are not. Yes. You know. Yeah. Um, and that's like a weird accident. Yeah. Like we did not choose that. It's just a theme this month. Yeah. Um, something else that I think is different than the previous two is that this is a long game. Oh, yeah. 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 Like um, this doesn't feel like it ends. <laughs> Right. Like, it, 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 it does tend to go on. And that was not a deadline problem for me. Mm-hmm. I, again, I beat I beat this like five days ago, something like that. Um, but, you know, in terms of pacing, Supergiant, I think they have shown a real kind of, you know, if <laughs> something approaching mastery with a breezy, short five to six hour play experience. This mm-hmm. is double that. Um, and it it doesn't seem, it doesn't seem like that would be the case. There's just a lot here with it's, there's a lot of what it is, but the fact that you are going in a binary, uh, sense between these two modes, um, means that there's like simultaneously a lot and not very much. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like it is longer than Mm -hmm. that. It, I don't think that it needed to be as long as it was to tell the story it tells. Right. Um, and, uh, there is like less variety in it mm-hmm. than there would be. Like one of the things about um, Transistor that I really loved was very late in the game, you were getting modifiers and new verbs. Like you could always switch out. Anytime you got to one of those stations, you could switch out your verbs, mm-hmm. um, try something different. You were getting modifiers for them very frequently. Yeah. Um, so even towards the end of the game, you were being faced not only with new challenges, but new ways to approach those challenges. The equivalent of that here is that you do get new, like you stop getting new characters for a while and then you get two new ones mm-hmm. near the end, both of which don't play like your other characters. So that is kind of interesting. Yes. But because of the optional, like because of the verbs you're doing with them, because of the context in which you play with them, mm-hmm. it wasn't as fun as like going through fighting a bunch of enemies and fighting a boss with a new set of transistor weapons. It was, I'm going to try this person once when the game forces me to. Oh, I do like them. Oh, I don't like them. Let's get through this and get to the next little story beat. Yeah. You know, um, it, like it, it's a book with the pages stuck together. Like, how do I get through this to get to more of the book? Yes. Um, you know? And specifically the two extra characters that you get, they're pretty specialized. And like you have played against them before, not those exact yeah. characters, but, you know, characters from like from those races. So you have a pretty good idea of how of how they work. When, when when you're when when you're taking the time to go and use them right so that does take a little bit of the uh um, kind of novelty shine off of that apple a little bit yeah yeah so the, the pacing i think is a problem and the length is kind of a problem for yeah. being a game that is ultimately as simple as it is yes um so this was kind of a result um they took this and they tried to prototype a bunch of different types of games mm-hmm. from this um they landed on sports they were always trying to explore that metaphor of the consequences of defeat of moving on they landed on sports for that yes um this game is uh 
you know, even though, as we mentioned, it has its fans, it was probably the, the least well-received mm-hmm. um, of their games, but it's still, like, won tons of awards, reviewed really well. I know tons of people who love it. Yes. Um, so it is not, uh, I think that we are going to fall in a minority on this generally. Right. Um, which um, is okay. Yeah. Even among people who like it, it is a pretty polarizing game just because there is a split between, you know, are you in favor of the visual novel side of this or are you really, really into the sports section as well? Yes. And that is just a problem when you get to this it, bipartite game. Right. It does have that feeling of like, who is this for? Yeah. Like the NBA Jam fans who also really fucking like Steinsgate. Like, you know, I, like I know those. People I mean, that exist. might be me. I love both those games. I know you exist, but you, I don't think in any universe we would consider Cole Ross to be highly representative. <laughs> <laughs> or, or me. Like, I don't think right, that's yeah. me. You know, no, not, no. That's you know, not that, that had the cadence of a burn, but it's not one. I understood. You know, but like, there is this feel, this intense feeling of like the other games just being, and they've gotten more adventurous. Like, Bastion yeah. is definitely the least adventurous of their games Uh um this one is much more adventurous but like so much so that it just feels like the person it's for everyone is going to be swallowing some medicine with their sugar in this one yeah Um, almost no matter what like for me surprisingly like i don't usually like visual novels but the medicine was the sports thing and i do like arcade sports games like i like mm -hmm. nba jam yeah um but those parts ended up being a big fucking heap of medicine i had to swallow with my sugar yeah yeah. Um and I'm happy that you brought this up. I was going to save it for kind of the, the the end and the final summation, but like philosophically I'm happy that they took this swing, right? Mm-hmm. Like it is good that there is a studio that feels comfortable doing something that defies description like this. That mm-hmm. however only goes as far as me needing to play it though. Uh, yeah, <laughs> you know, so it, it it's it's kind of kind of there's a there, there's a conflict there. I would rather them have made this than not made it. But if they're going to do it, there are just kind of obvious kind of deficiencies that that that, that are obvious to me that played out um, that we have talked about so far here. That it does come down as like, wow, this is this this is flawed. I, quite honestly, like I agree. Like it is something I'm glad I played. I think mm-hmm. it is interesting. Um, I'm glad that they have the freedom to do it. Like follow your muse, guys. It's not super giant responsibility to make games exclusively for me. Right. Even if I've been a big fan of their other stuff, Mm -hmm. you know, this does not to me feel like a Chinese room style stumble into eventually becoming a developer. I don't like, right. You know, this does not feel like that to me. Like I am still super excited for Hades. I want, I believe I have faith in them that that will be good. Yes. Um, At the same time, you know, I'm captain. Like I live in my experience. The time I spent with this was not very fun and I can't, I can forgive that, but it's like still happened. Yes. I don't, that's not a permanent mark. Um, it is my job, but mm-hmm. it is something that happened. And I can't argue with the fact that it's like, I just didn't have very much fun with this, even during the parts I liked. Yeah. And part of that is, um, this segues into like, I wanted to talk about, um, the people who with this kind of thing where it's like, um, Oh, you know, just, uh, get through the bouts as soon as possible to get the visual novel or get through the visual novel as soon as possible to get the bouts mm-hmm. or, um, you know, play uh, Final Fantasy VII with the random encounters turned off. Why? To get to the story. <laughs> like those things, right? Yeah, yeah. So that attitude, it is possible for you to do that. And if you enjoy it, um, that is fine. And no one can take that away from you. And I wouldn't if I could. Mm-hmm. The fact also is, though, that games, even when they're not very successful at it, make attempts to be more holistic mm-hmm. than that. So for this game, um, a lot of the visual novel part is driven by 
the sports part and being invested in it. Yeah. Like, so like, like your character's existence in the world, their one hope for anything better is tied, is integrated to the sport. Totally. So there's absolutely that. There's the narrative dissonance of mm-hmm. you having to play with characters that buy into this thing that you are not buying into. Mm-hmm. There is a huge mechanical part where you are making choices in the visual novel section that have impacts on this that you need to care about Mm -hmm. like if i get to a thing where it's like this character wants to do something and uh if i let them do it it will negatively affect another character right and the the choice the game is trying to make me make is do i care about this character enough to give them what they want at the penalty of a sports section right like if if tizo does a thing then rookie will get a negative 10 hope for the next bout that's not an exact example but it's the kind Mm -hmm. of thing you do yeah if the bouts are a tedious chore that I can get through instantly, mm-hmm. that choice in the visual novel section that is so tied to character no longer has meaning. Right. Um, if the choice becomes this character really wants to go search for this um, trinket mm-hmm. uh, here and this other character uh, wants to do this thing that is purely or you know that gives me plus five in the bout. Um, when I don't care about the results of either, that choice no longer has value. Right. Um, so the disc, the one of these systems not working has huge knock on effects like it is not just and that also applies to like playing Final Fantasy seven with the random encounters turned off like you go to areas in Final Fantasy seven in order to get upgrades and such mm-hmm. that power the mechanical side of it. Right. Like the, the special things games can do is make narrative and mechanics talk to each other. Mm-hmm. All games do that a little bit if they have any kind of reward or incentive system. And rejecting one half of that equation is almost always rejecting tons of connective tissue as well. Mm-hmm. Um, it reminds me a lot of Bonfire Side Chat when we did Bloodborne. Um, them like making armor and items extremely rare mm-hmm. had huge knockout effects. Yes. Remember, like it, it made like, oh, like we can tell the story in smaller, you know, we can't tell the story as easily mm-hmm. through these things. Um, the biggest thing, though, was like level design where I would find a clever little corner that I felt cool for finding and find a meaningless item. I'd find chalice dungeon materials in it. Yeah. You know, as opposed to something that felt good to like find because it powered the mechanical side of things, mm-hmm. all that stuff, like even when it's not perfect, talks to each other. That's video games, right? At least like traditional video games that have like power-ups and stats. That's RPGs, I guess. Yeah. Um, in a way. And you can't separate those two things. Like you can, and you can succeed and play through it, but the effects are maybe far reaching than people farther reaching than people give it credit for. Yes. You know, yeah, c- c- cutting one out is clipping the wings of the other. So that's how this felt for me, where it's like, OK, I do like the story. I do like these characters. Mm-hmm. There's a level of intrigue here. I am invested in what happens in this world and how this story plays out, mm-hmm. in part because I was expecting a twist that never came. Right. Um, but I was invested in it and just shunting through the bouts as soon as possible to just win them and optimize my stats meant I was missing out on a lot of the intended experience of this, which mm-hmm. was carefully considering uh from a statistic or from a strategy standpoint who i sent up yeah you know and that will get to that twist but like that is a big part of the game that is the major mechanical twist of this game Mm -hmm. and if you the bouts are not fun that doesn't work right so this is just like predicated on two big gambles that like the player will dig this kind of nba jam light and the player likes these visual novel things (laughs) right and that's just like a lot of dice rolling yeah (laughs) you know a lot of dice rolling yeah um so i don't know like it, it just uh but it was just it was interesting i'm glad i played it not least of which because i did it did make me think about that like those things are not 
can never be separate. Like I will criticize a game when those things don't talk to each other well. Sometimes mm -hmm. they never completely don't talk to each other in a video game. Right. Like they they kind of have to for the game to operate because mm -hmm. we are so wired on reward structures and we're wired to like watch those numbers go up a little bit. And so much of a game in terms of level design and narrative motivation is tied to those things. And if you stop caring about those things, like a big chunk of game falls away. Yeah. I no. agree. I don't know that I have anything no. to add. Um, let's get into it. Yeah. going to begin with the prologue, uh, which has us waking up in a desert in the downside. Uh, we never see our character until the very end, and even then it is only from the back as a robed figure. Uh, it's mm -hmm. entirely a viewpoint character. Uh, There's but... other ways you can see that character at the end, too. Oh, yeah? If you send the character up, you get to see them floating up in the little dealie. Oh, neat. Yeah. yeah. Um, but you uh, uh, are rescued uh, by these three masked figures. Uh, the first one who kind of reaches out to you, his name is Hedwin, and he decides to take you in. Yep, take you in and uh, with the angry inch. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, decides to nurse you uh, back to health. You have been hurt. Yes. So the other two with him are as uh, are, uh, Joe Dariel, uh, who is this giant demon woman. It's mm -hmm. like very stern, uh, large woman with horns. And Rookie Greentail, who is a dog person. Yes. Um, this little hyena man who uh, is a little little tiny huckster. Right. Um, he has a mustache. He has like a Wario mustache. Mm -hmm. uh, you can of, get him to shave up. <laughs> yeah, one of your early interactions is like, just tell me honestly, is this working? Yep. <laughs> and it was, but I said no because I wanted to see if you would shave. Yeah. You did. <laughs> he is one of the test his limits. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> see how suggestible um, is. He trusted you. Yeah. He's okay. <laughs> yeah. Um, so the first thing they do is they ask if you're a reader, and it's a capital R reader. Yes. Um, but it's also whether you read or not. Um, you get to admit it. And one of the things I like in this game is when they give you options, you hover over those as well and you get some more context Yeah, for that. And this teaches you that reading is forbidden, like literacy is forbidden in the real world. And uh, I don't, I just said yes. I don't know if something happens if you say no. I assume not because the game is predicated on this. Yeah. Um, they say, okay, well, will you read one of these books that we have? Mm -hmm. And they have just the, the, these stacks of identical books yep. uh, that all have kind of a, a little gem on the, on the front of them here. Um, I love the touch of making the making the character's role, the viewpoint character's role in a visual novel, the reader, because yeah. that is literally what you as the player are doing. Even though reading this book is a huge fucking bummer. Like, <laughs> did you get into this stuff with like reading the the story of the the saints or whatever? I like I so I, I like every time you got a new page, like in the different lands, I read one of those and it made a little bit of sense. But then it was like here here are a bunch more chapters about the individual yep. about the individual titans and i was like nah i'm okay i was super noped out of it yeah i thought it was really boring i read the first few of them and i was like oh like this is why they want a reader because this is the most <laughs> boring prose i've ever said like for, for a game that i think is actually well written it's all of the things in the real world like their actual holy text uh -huh. reads like a really boring simplified holy text 
Yeah. Like is not particularly interesting. I skimmed the whole thing, Mm -hmm. but then they start also getting into like codexes on the other teams. Right. And stuff. And part of the thing this game goes for, and this is a generality, but it's worth saying here, is that they also want you to get as invested in the other teams right. as you are on your own. And that never really happened for me. Mm-hmm. Like some of them I have some affection for, but I was supposed to, you know, I think one of the things they want you to do sometimes in this game is throw games. Mm-hmm. Um, and I never threw a game. No. Did you ever throw a game? Um, not till the end. Okay. Yeah. I came to play. I do not throw games. <laughs> right. Um, and because, I mean, that also is not me playing against the spirit of the game, the, the game. I want mm-hmm. my buddies to go up. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yep. Um, so they have you, uh, they have you read this book. It is addressed to the exiles that are in downside. And it says, this is a way to escape. Um, this is path that is outlined by the stars. And if you do these rights, you can possibly escape. Right. Um, and after you do this, uh, you pass out and a strange figure addresses you in your vision. Um, you know, saying your role as a reader here is to guide these three people and anybody else to, you know, to victory and escape. Mm-hmm. And yeah. this is when you get your tutorial on the rights. Yep. Uh, which we talked about before. Yes. Um, you then, uh, and this is introducing the rhythm mm-hmm. as well of, uh, of the game. Like you going through, uh, getting a new page, something to read in the book, going outside, looking at the stars, which tell you where to go. Um, and this was something kind of the flavor of this took me a little while to like, Yeah. um, I don't like the stars No. and I don't like prophecy and I don't like, it has a vague kind of like a little bit like Arabian nights kind of flavor to it. Yeah. At least in terms of like the music and the kind of color scheme and headwinds dress mm-hmm. and everything, just a little bit of that. And I was like, this is going to, this feels like an Arabian nights thing, but through prophecy and guiding the stars. And I don't like that. Yeah. It's, Ended up eventually getting better. Like as they introduce some of the more wild, like weird races and stuff, it gets a little bit more of its own identity. Yes. But it's very worried uh, at first here. It starts out with those marks against it. Yeah. Yep. Um, so you use the star chart and there's only one location available. The Ridge of Goal which is the fossil of this gigantic serpent uh, that is down in the downside prairie and you head to the Ridge of Goal. Yeah. Um, and this brings on the um, uh, kind of uh, Oregon Trail side of this. Where mm-hmm. you know you're you're proceeding along in this wagon, this black wagon that they have, um, and trying Capital to choose, D. yes, like uh, the black wagon, <laughs> yes, um, and you're you, know, you have to choose like which way you want to proceed. Uh, so you're often going to have a few different different options, and usually those options are informed by the different people with you. Uh, there's usually some kind of disagreement. So like Rookie wants to go through Hollow Root. Uh, because he knows someone there who owes him a favor, whereas mm-hmm. Dodariel, uh wants to go through Blooming Pool because she thinks we can get rare flora there. Mm-hmm. And at this point, I have no reason to want rare flora. Right. Um, I don't remember all of these. I did for sure. No, I, like, I think it's better to talk about these in general. Like, yeah, yeah. So they are informed by people. They tend to be uh, a choice of like resource, um, cash, or stat buff. Mm-hmm. Um, or downtime, which we'll talk about downtime right. uh, in a little bit. Um, my pro tip or my strategy was do anything that allows you downtime because downtime is really valuable. Yes. Um, it is more valuable than any of those other things. Later in the game, it also gets more less coy about this. Early mm-hmm. on, it's like this character advocates for this obscure thing. This other character advocates for this obscure thing. Near the end of the game, it just starts saying, go here. Jodariel will get a bonus to hope. Mm-hmm. And it just starts just saying exactly what will happen statistically. Yeah. Um, but early on, it is kind of meant to be a little bit of a guess. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it being a guess is also helped out because it doesn't always redound to your benefit either. 
So yes. you can just end up going uh, down a path because somebody says, I have a good feeling about it, and you get some kind of penalty as a result because they were wrong. Mm-hmm. Which is fine and good. Yes. Um, so going to Hollow Root is what we did. We get this parcel, which we can sell at the Flug, Slug Market, which we'll talk about. Right. Um, you stop at the foot of the ridge. You get a new chapter in the book, which gives you a little bit of information about Solium Murr, the first exile. Yes. Um, the scribes found him. He was broken and diminished. The yes. scribes are kind of gods in this. Yeah. Um, they're like, they're like demigods or like almost like saint figure kind of things. Yes. Um, they we're... correspond to the races. Yes. Yeah. Um, specifically like in the downside, um, you know, downside, uh, Solia Murr, he was an emperor who came from the Commonwealth, which is the name of the kingdom that everybody, uh, you know, was, was kicked out of. Yes. Yeah. It's the blind side. Sorry. <laughs> no. Julia Roberts and Sandra Bullock or Sandra Bullock. Yes. <laughs> um, wouldn't Julia it be Roberts cool if movie that. started advertising with or <laughs> like start, start for Julia Roberts and, press or one. Julia Roberts. Yeah. <laughs> Deep fakes. Deep fakes yeah. cinemas. Oh no. Um, <laughs> um but yeah, so you get in and you have your first right against your first other team, the accusers. Um mm-hmm. and it's pretty clear um that we're a bunch of imposters. You know, our team is called the Nightwings. Um mm-hmm. but Lendl, none of us have met this guy before. We're a second edition D D thief. Yes. <laughs> um is why we're called that. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, but but Lendl, the leader of the accusers, ah, you got some balls showing your face around here. Yeah, no, none of us know him. Like, yeah, we're new, right? Actually, because these three people who know how to do the rights, who are on our team, we're not doing the rights. You need a reader, yes. to do the rights, because otherwise you don't know where to go. Right. Um. So you do a right, which we talk about. Um. They do. There's a little bit of tutorial here. Mm-hmm. After you score a couple times, there's usually a complication. Mm-hmm. Or the enemy will kind of just like get a little dialogue thing to redouble their efforts. Yeah. Um, this one, they form up and kind of form a defensive line so you can't tackle your way into the pyre. And this teaches you to fling the orb. Yes. Um, we should talk about the different ways that our initial three players play because oh, yeah. I ended up using them a lot. I had the most attachment uh, specifically to Jadariel, but Hedwin and mm-hmm. Rookie are uh, are pretty important too. Yeah, I did. That's interesting because I did not find Jodariel interesting to play as. I mm. liked her as a character a lot. Yeah, but I did not. Uh, so Jodariel is the defensive character. She is a gigantic demon. Uh, she has a big um, aura mm-hmm. around her. When she throws it, it is a, a big wide swath um, to balance this. Uh, she instead of um, sprinting. She does these little hops. Yes. And they take up tons of stamina. Right. So she does like a short range tackle. Yes. Um, um, yeah. And otherwise, she is incredibly slow as well. Yeah. Uh, her, for defense. Yeah. Essentially. Her, her, her jump is really good, you know, because she is so big. When she lands, she will actually knock other players back, which is a mm-hmm. good way uh, to clear uh, to clear some space. If, I think we neglected to mention jumping early on, but that's another thing you can do. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Um, that is different for everything. So, yeah. So she has an ability to kind of like distance, you know, ground pound. Mm hmm um headwind's pretty boring he is very much the mario yes he, he, he is a nomad is the is is the race that he is from uh mm-hmm. he's incredibly just balanced like every you just consider him to be like the standard so like his aura is you know just a regular beam that charges up uh meanwhile the uh aura that stays around him is relatively medium so is his speed he's got a jump that he can uh the, that he can do as well um, and mm-hmm. both both of those end up having like a perfect timing uh, element to them as well. 
Um, mm-hmm. As you are charging up your aura blast or charging up your jump, you can release at a certain time to get a better effect off of the back of it. Mm-hmm. Um, headwind ends up being kind of interesting when you start um, getting experience and specializing him because one of his paths is just um, a global benefit for the entire team um, just for having him there. So like you you can you just just uh, load him up with these benefits and it is like a a, a passive bonus to uh, to to the team. Mm-hmm. The other one of his paths is very reliant on those charged uh, perfect timing yeah. things, and that's another system I barely engaged in. Yeah. Um. And again, like before, anybody says, "Oh, you found this hard, but you didn't engage with the system. Didn't find it hard. Yep. Didn't have to engage with the system. Like, <laughs> right. I usually just tap jump. I right. just did it to clear space or to move. I did not do it for any other special effects." Mm-hmm. 99% of the game. So, um, and then Rookie is kind of your first scorer character, mm-hmm. um, is the idea because he's extremely quick. Right. He runs um, on all and, fours. Yep. Runs on all fours. He is a dog. <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, he is your first like agility character. Yes. That you have. Um, not a whole lot more to him than that as far as special effects. No. He's just small. Yeah. The thing about him is he is very small. <laughs> the thing about him, one thing you yep. got to know. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, as, a, uh, as an opening team, they're very well balanced. And they yep. end up being a good, a good kind of framework for experimentation later. Yeah. And personality wise, like headwind is very likable, mm-hmm. um, but just very kind of straightforward and very for the team. Ricky is a little bit of a rascal and yeah. Jodariel is uh Sundare. Yes. Um, and that's their personalities. They are very stock standard. Right. Um, um you level up at the end of this. Generally, it's designed so you, the way level ups work in this, the pace of it is actually very strange. Mm-hmm. Um, it's very easy to get the first level up. Level ups after that will happen after multiple bouts, generally. Right. And uh, you're locked into a path, but for some characters, getting to the end of that path was not the best way to do it. Some characters having the first thing on both paths was actually better. Right. uh, For me. Um, So, yeah, you're able to, uh, whoever you end up scoring the most, pretty much, you get points for everyone gets a little bit of experience. For being uh, People get experience for being there. Um, People get experience for the most points that they get. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, I think you get, I think there's more than that. There are other things that pop up, but they all have these kind of like nouns attached to them. So yeah, we talked to, you know, the thing that determines how long you spend in, in the penalty purgatory mm-hmm. in the void uh, is, or banished is called hope. Mm-hmm. These things you're getting scored by at the end of your match are also called things like that. Yes. It's like ascendance, adequatulence, you know, all <laughs> these things. And it's, I just, you know, it just, it gets a little noun soup. So like, yeah. I never really understood exactly what the correspondence was between what my characters were doing and how much XP they got. Yes. Um, really, it was just if I if, if I was playing as them a lot, they would get more experience was yeah. the was the way that it went. Um, the bench experience system is really weird. Like what mm-hmm. you're doing is um, getting some I don't even know how to describe it. It's like it's like inactive experience. So it'll fill up their bar, but it won't actually count. It just means that uh, they will level up faster when you do decide to use them. Yeah, yeah. I found this to be a bummer. Yeah. I did not like that system. Yeah, I think that people should have just straight up leveled up. Yeah. I know they have a lot of different systems that try to get you to use characters that you don't mm-hmm. like using Yeah, in this. Um, But what that meant was I would rotate in someone I didn't like, and they would just literally stand next to the pyre and never do anything. Right. For the whole set. It was very similar to, uh, to me, it felt like having my worst Pokemon at the front of the party and oh, then immediately yeah, changing yeah. them out. Yeah. Is what that system made me feel like. Mm-hmm. Um. You get to the the end. You can kind of in between things. You can you'll get a little picture of your wagon, and there'll be a little dot 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 mm-hmm. word bubble, and that means somebody in there has something for you to say. Yes. Um, sometimes these have choices. This is how you unlock uh, characters' backstories, mm-hmm. which is related to their ability to ascend. 
Right. Um, you need to do a certain amount of this before they are ready to graduate mm-hmm. back to the real world, essentially. Yeah. Um, and also this stuff is interesting, you know, mm-hmm. like you want to yeah, get to know these characters. Yeah. Um, and they're good characters and these are well-written bits. Yes. Um, so you can go in and like, you get a chance to ask him a question. I asked him what he was in for and he said, mm-hmm. Hey, that's pretty personal. <laughs> uh, maybe yep. I'll tell you later. It's like, all right. Uh, faux pas. Gotcha. I will. And these are on. not, or sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. No, no, I was um, done. It's a, it's worth noting that these are not discussion trees in a, like a Bioware kind of sense. Like you're not going to get a chance to ask all these questions. No, no. You'll get four questions asked. You get to ask one of them with mm-hmm. one exception later when you're talking to tree exposition, man. Yes. <laughs> no. so. yeah when you're talking to basal exposition basal exposition yeah i, I, was gotcha, exact gotcha, same joke. And I, I had to swallow no but you got it first because i uh there's a little bit of because i looked over at this box of cheese it's in my mouth watered a second and I had to you took your eyes off the prize <laughs> i did onto this other prize and, and i couldn't make the basal exposition joke that i was just about to make because we both had austin powers fever we do um yeah we've a baby um <laughs> <laughs> like dun, 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 dun. Um, so the next area you have to go to when you this is also where you can hold down rookie and forcibly shave off his mustache <laughs> um, like a frat hazing <laughs> yep afraid, and you beat him with bags of soap and in pillowcases yep um you go outside and you look at the stars it says to go to the spring of jumer yes um and you head there this is a sandy wasteland full of fossils and you see that you have a stowaway um this is a manic pixie dream girl yeah uh, i think that i think this character is a little bit annoying <laughs> I didn't. I like the way her story ended up for me, uh, <laughs> but in general, yeah, she was a little bit of a a little bit of a drag, specifically because of the tropiness of the manic p- pixie dream girl kind of thing. Yeah, she she feels very visual novel trope, and like so, like you know, Jodariel is the Sundare character. Like yeah. they're doing visual novel tropes early on in this, but this is one of my least favorite visual yeah. novel tropes. Yeah, um, she's kind um, of like a little cave woman. Yeah, she's got like um, uh, like her, her visual design is kind of neat because she has uh, it's it's almost like a like, like a woods witch design. Like she's mm-hmm. got um, almost like a like a cross of sticks that are kind of like sticking out of her hair and above her. Um, that looks weirdly uh, you know, witch like. Mm-hmm. Uh, but she like talks to inan- inan- yeah, inanimate objects. Uh, she will like refer to the black wagon as her brother, and also yeah. she cannot remember her name, so you pick her name. And she just remind, remembers that it rhymes with gray. Mm-hmm. So uh, you get to choose the name. Yes. And I chose Bay because I wanted to see if they would do it. <laughs> Brand saying Bay. Um, yep. Yeah, I picked Zay uh, because that didn't seem like a, you know, it sounded the most fanciful to me. And this is a fanciful mm-hmm. world. Mm-hmm. So. That's why we have not referred to her name until this point. I'm going to yes. keep saying Bay and you can keep saying Zay and people just know who we're talking about. Yeah, people will know. But mechanically, I also took me a while to like her. Her whole ski steez is that her sprint and her jump are good but were, and her uh, aura cast, but they require more charge up. Yes. Like there's a little delay before they can be used. So mm-hmm. she's very average. If you can position her where you have some time to start using those things. Yeah. Um, they are more powerful, but you need to complete space for her. And again, that would be a thing where my other teammates would be really useful in making space for her. So she ended up being a very like solidly like C plus B minus tier character for me in terms of play that I would use when I had to. Right. She early on, she does not, she does not seem distinct enough from Hedwin. Um, and I like Hedwin better. Yeah. Uh, but you can take her down. What I eventually did with her, one of her paths is entirely about shooting the ball, which is mm-hmm. not something I 
did especially often before I realized there was you could have a character that was devoted to that. So mm-hmm. she ended up kind of finding her role on my teams. Um, the, as... the other path is mitigating her downsides, which is yes. what I ended up doing, which made a worse headwind, right. like essentially. And I, yeah, that was not necessarily the right choice, but regardless, we decided to take her in. Um, I mean, we're going to find out why later, but what we're trying to do is gather these representatives from the different races and cultures. We, we mm-hmm. have a, we have a robe and a mask for her. Um, and we can set up camp and this is the first time where we have downtime and we get to work on a vocation. Yep. Uh, this is a very desirable setup for me. Like I said, when I have those little choices, I usually chose this. Um, and there are three things you can do. Um, you can forage, which gives you an item, which I never did because items are not good in this game. Mm-hmm. Um, you can, uh, study, which I did do, which gives you global bonuses that apply to everyone. Yes. So I closed out this tree like they're pretty minor, but to me, like a big passive bonus like that is not very exciting, but mm-hmm. feels very powerful and permanent. Yeah, yeah. Um, the other thing you can do is you can mentor, which allows you to give one character a big dump of experience and they don't have to play to get it. Yes, that ended up being really useful for me when it got late in the game <laughs> and I needed to shore up some inexperienced characters uh, yep. because my front line was gone. Me too. And I had already done all the reading. Yes. So I uh, I was training up a new my farm league. Yeah, uh, both both of us chose kind of the same uh, strategy for that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. you're given a choice of which way to go after this. Uh, doesn't make that much of a difference. I chose fall flat because Zay says it may be uh, um, it'll make us more swift because of the influence of the scribe here. Mm-hmm. Um, again, like all of these different areas, you know, this is the spring of Jomur, and Jomur was one of the. Uh, was one of the scribes, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, Joe Moore, Joe Moore, the many manned. Yes, many manned. The um, so uh, you go through one of these things, you get to your next chapter from looking at the stars, uh, or the next chapter in the book, rather, the Last mm-hmm. Emperor, which is written by Gol Golathian, Golathanian, <laughs> yeah. um, about Emperor Solium Mur, uh, who didn't care for his people, but instead sought things to glorify his name, and that is why he got cast down in the downside. Yes. Um. Eventually, Hedwin at this point will open up to you and he tells you a story about the desertion. And this is your first kind of learning about the war, like kind of the blood war up above. Yes. So the Commonwealth was kind of in constant conflict with this force called the was High Wing Remnants, mm-hmm. which are um, this kind of army of harps, harpies, like winged people. Uh, Hedwin was, you know, set up as a, a lookout and he was off actually fraternizing with one of the harps and Mm -hmm. he did not see uh this force coming in and it resulted in them losing an outpost and so he was branded as headwind the deserter and he was thrown to the downside Mm -hmm. um we can go here this is introducing the economy we find the slug market um i want to kill this character i know he's meant to be annoying yeah but i want to crack him over my knee (laughs) <laughs> and i know that won't do anything because he is a slug yeah uh but i it just is a real illustration you have to be careful when you do something that's annoying on purpose <laughs> yep you have um, to be careful with that guys that is playing with fucking fire it is like, uh and also if you are introducing an option to um make it so like say like hey do you want this guy to be talkative or do you want him to shut up like maybe yep. maybe understand why people might want to shut him up <laughs> yep Yep, yep. So this is this is like Sexsmith Ron or whatever Ferrari Ron. What's his name? <laughs> it's I, I forget. I don't know. Yeah, something like, Ron, like, like shiny Falcon Ron. Ron, Falcon Ron, Falcon Ron is yeah. his name. Falcon Ron. 
it is a slug guy who has a really annoying voice, who's really talkative, and is just kind of like a greedy merchant yeah. kind of trope. Um, but the voice is just very cloying, and it is meant to be. Mm-hmm. But boy, boy, oh boy. And I <laughs> yeah, got the, the like, worst uh, like, debuff in the game from this guy Oh no! later as like a little joke. And I'm like, man, I do not have enough goodwill. Yeah. Built up for this not to be very annoying. Like, I know it's supposed to be annoying. The game went on. I was fine. But, like, this guy sucks. You know? So, yeah. anyway, yeah. Falcon Ron is no bueno. Yeah. And I just, uh, I uh, counteracted that by not spending very much time in the shops. I didn't either. Um, I I mean, I bought upgrade powder a lot. Yeah, yeah. Um, And one character I respect, just because I wanted to see how it would work. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, cause I had tons of money cause I wasn't actually doing the shop very much. Right. Um, but you can buy a talisman here. You want every character. There's no downside to having a talisman. Generally, you want every character to have at least one. Yeah. Once you're introduced to the, uh, bespoke talismans, that'll be your, your bread and butter. Mm-hmm. But up until that point, you want them to have something. Yeah. And the game will even like bark at you if you're about to send somebody in who is not equipped. Yep. And you can switch them out whenever you want. So if you have seven players and you have three talismans, you can still make sure every time you go into a match, no matter who you're using, they can have the talismans. Right. It's like a little inventory tax, but you can make it happen. Mm-hmm. Um, so you go to the next right area where you meet Dalbert and Almer Oldheart of the Fate. Um, this is a dog and his human son. Um, and they give you a talisman, a token, uh, just kind of, or a talisman as a token of goodwill. Mm-hmm. Like it's, it's Rubicant healing you before you fight. Yes um dalbert is really straight up like mm-hmm. he is uh honorable whereas almer is a little bit uh impetuous yeah and, he's an angry young man yes yeah nope. um and so you go through this match the fate are um uh, possibly a little bit of a difficulty hump just because they're quick in a way that the accused being primarily made up of nomads are not mm-hmm. so they're going to be pretty aggressive and get around you if you are not uh, necessarily ready for that um and halfway through the match you start getting moon drops uh that drop and this is another way that characters can level up uh, is like on uh, on death they will leave a moon drop here though uh what these are is just pickups so they'll give you a buff of infinite stamina Mm-hmm. It's not a consumable. You don't use it. It's like a power up. Yeah. Um, I did not engage with these hmm. um, at all. You can like, there's like things you can do to get them and stuff, but I did not need infinite stamina and it was not something that was worth going out of my way for in general. Right. I picked up the first one because I thought maybe it was like a currency or it was something I would use to power a, a permanent upgrade system. I didn't think that they were on field power ups. Right. But um. After you win this match, you get back to your wagon. Um, there's a minstrel who's been traveling with you. Uh, there is, there has been a minstrel, <laughs> yeah. um, and he disappears. We didn't talk about him. Um, no, he is Mister. He's Pete White. Yep. <laughs> from 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 the, uh, you know, from the Pale Hour or whatever his radio college radio show was. Right. Um, he looks just like Pete White. Yep. <laughs> so. I didn't notice him because he never talked. Uh, we talk about the inside of the uh, of the black wagon, which is real neat. Um, mm-hmm. just like, uh, Bastion and Transistor, you have a little bit of a home base that will get more kind of trinkets and doodads in it as you go along. Um, mm-hmm. and you can inspect them and things like that. This minstrel, he was just kind of off in the corner sleeping or something. Think about like Stephen Wright's character in Half-Baked. Sure. Yeah. But oh. he's gone and that is a big deal because apparently he's important. Uh, it's, it's kind of confusing exactly what he is. Yeah. Yeah. He is like, you know, a otherworldly being kind of thing when he comes up and talks to you or when he disappears, once you eventually get him back, uh, you get the sound test yes. for the game. That's what he brings with him. Yeah. Um, you go to the Cairn of Haub, 
uh, as you head back east, that's right. And uh, Beze is uh, is alarmed because somebody is coming for you. It is the Howlers. Mm. And this is one of two of these fucking weird little, like, not like, what are these? I don't, there's I don't two, get there's it. There's one for this and there's one for the worm. They're like little arcade segments, uh, segments. Yeah. It's what, super weird. What they, what they feel like is, you know, the, the, the team looking at the sports mechanics that they laid out and saying, mm. this, fe- like, th- this feels like it could be the basis of some kind of action game. And we could mm. probably stretch it to where your different abilities will, you know, could, could, could be used. You know, let's just, mm. let's just take these, take these mechanics and portably put them into something else, see how it shakes out. Um, hmm. ideally they would have seen, oh, it doesn't shake out super well and then make this into another story segment. Um, and they did not do that. Instead, they, yeah. they, they kind of have you, have you playing these things that are really out of place. Well, and just, it's so crazy that there's two of them. Yeah. <laughs> like they're not placed like at even intervals. I thought once it was introduced, I was like, oh, this is adding to the rhythm. Mm-hmm. It is visual novel sport arcade. Yes. And I'm going to go through those three modes of play, but it's not it's not that. And I don't think it would necessarily be additive if it was. Mm-hmm. I was just very surprised by, like, where this fits in. Yeah. So this is you using uh, Zebe to do kind of a wave-based tower defense almost, like fighting off these little imps. Yeah, that are rushing for your wagon, I think. Yeah. Yeah. And you have the same ability to uh, kind of cast, like, kind of banish them. Right. Um, after you do so, this drive imp, so the, this this... They just refer like I was like, what the fuck's a drive map? Mm-hmm. So your your wagon is powered by these things. Yes. Um, one of them approaches, um, and when you kind of click on his words, you can he- understand him. Yeah, it's it, it's kind of neat. Like it doesn't do a direct translation, but it kind of describes what he is expressing or what he wants. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, you click on him. He has he's had some history with this wagon. When you we find the minstrel, the minstrel knows him as well. He says his imp is named Tizo. Mm-hmm. Um. And uh, the reason why the minstrel left is because he's like, hey, you know, I'm talking to my client, this guy named Sandalwood. Mm-hmm. Um, we learned the minstrel's name. His name is Tariq. And uh, he is now in our group as well. Yes. Uh, in addition to Tizo. Yeah. Uh, um, yeah. So 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 Tizo is here. Tizo can participate in the rights, which is very strange. And this mm-hmm. is kind of the first very um, specialized character, I think, mm-hmm. uh, that you get. Like he is even more niche than Jodariel, I think. Oh, yeah. 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 Um, the other thing that is uh, kind of interesting that I want to talk about before we go into this next match mm-hmm. uh, is the voice that announces the announcer voice. Yeah. Because that ends up working into the plot in an interesting way. Um, <laughs> there is a announcer voice of this that has a definite perspective. Mm-hmm. It is not a neutral announcer voice. It has a lot of disdain for you. Yes. And it, for the whole game, this is a twist that worked for me. For mm-hmm. the whole game, I thought it was just cute. Right. And then when there starts being some intrigue with this and they reveal the origins, I actually really liked it. Mm-hmm. And the reason this made me think about it is whenever he says Tizo, he goes, Tizo. Like he's got this like snide and he's just very like, mm, gross, Tizo. Tizo. Um, oh, you're sending yeah. the mascot in? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> the Philly fanatic. And Gritty can't play all the positions. <laughs> you know? The, uh, but I actually, say that, but. Yeah, I know. Yeah. yeah. There's no rule that says a Gritty can't play. Um, I actually end up really liking Tizo. Tizo's great. Um, and I like this next opponent because this is another thing that made me laugh in this game uh-huh. uh, is the the dissidents, which are a dog race, another dog race. These curs, there are different kinds of dogs. Uh-huh. Um, but when they show up, they have a very funny musical theme. <laughs> it's so like the like the like the bad guys from across the lake, like the from from the evil yeah. camp. <laughs> yeah. 
this this made me laugh out loud like multiple times. <laughs> so that you know, good on you. Yeah. <laughs> I also I just I, I I love the beef that that's going on between Barker and Ruki. Yeah. Um, yeah. The good dogs and the bad dogs. Yeah. Good boys and bad dog boys. <laughs> it, yeah. Oh, weird. I've never heard bad boy. Yeah, weird. That just doesn't sound right to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Um, so this is kind of the first uh, introduction to some matches that people just won't get into. Um, yeah. Rookie is you know, like he doesn't want to go out there and 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 play against them uh, because just there's this beef between him between him and Barker. Uh, so uh, Tariq the minstrel says, "Hey, give Tizo a try. Um, mm-hmm. Let's talk about uh, the the role that he plays because he is." It's interesting. Yeah, it, 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 so he he's almost like um he's really fast. He can be a scorer, but I used him really as like a like an opening salvo to clear things out. Because he's done with a bomb. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, I did the opposite. Oh, um, but he's very good in both. Mm-hmm. Like so, his instead of casting, he creates this wide aura and explodes, mm-hmm. and then that banishes himself, but hurts anybody caught in the explosion. Like banishes anyone caught in the explosion. Right. Very good. Um, he's pretty quick. The reason why I use the way his utility as a uh, scorer is that he can fly. Mm-hmm. Um, and I use them for that to circumvent obstacles that my opponents could not circumvent yeah. to make a more direct route. So I ended up using him as a scorer mostly. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's pretty quick. He's not rookie quick, but right. he's pretty quick Yeah, uh, in the air, not on the ground. Right. Um, and flight is a pretty big deal. You know, we mm-hmm. talked about that. We're going to get, we're going to get a character who, um, like that, like their entire thing is flying, but Tizo is a good, uh, is, is a good, uh, you know, Intro to for that. yes. Uh, and it's, and it's super great because, you know, they have rookies sit out. They force you to use Tizo to kind of understand that there are different ways that offense can work. Mm-hmm. If they had, if they had made um, Jodariel sit out, this mm-hmm. wouldn't work. Like right. it's a smart design decision to do it this way. Yeah. It's, I wish there was more of that in mm-hmm. terms of it making you diversify your players. Yeah, you know, because that is much more interesting. I think. Mm-hmm. Um, so the whole thing with the distance is they're very fast, but they have small auras, so they're not very good at off or defense, or like tackling you. Right. They're very good at scoring, not good at tackling you. Mm-hmm. And the arena has blocks you can actually move around. Yeah, I like that. I like being yep. able to set up barriers. Mm-hmm. Yeah uh it's pretty great uh do do we just not want to talk about the about the pages and we can talk I'm, in broad strokes uh, yeah i'm bored with it already <laughs> even just doing the the read I, I skipped it on the notes very intentionally because yeah. i think they're boring to read the first time and i just don't yeah think they'll, they're not gonna make sense in uh, us explaining this game because it's one yeah. line of a long story every 10 yeah, minutes you know yeah. it's it's just it's describing the the the, the origin of, of the exile and kind of the fall of the empire that led to the commonwealth uh being mm-hmm. founded just the idea that this that this emperor was led astray by his greed and ended up um on the downside and kind of assembled this crew of the scribes in order to walk this path that eventually led to the rights uh being yes. established as a way back up yep yep and that's given to you in very very short paragraphs uh, just every once in a while, really, yes. between yeah. map bouts. So it does kind of contribute to that rhythm. Mm-hmm. Like, go back to your uh, to your wagon, talk to your buddy, mm-hmm. read a page of a book, go out, look at the stars, make a choice, go to a shop, do a write. Like, there there is a variety of play here. Mm-hmm. It's just not like not very much of it was that fun. Right. Like talking to my out of all those things I just listed, talking to my friends and making the choice as on the the map mm-hmm. were the two things I took the most joy out in. Yes, you know. Um. So partway through, these guys also the dissidents buff up as well. Mm-hmm. Partway through, they get really angry, uh, and they uh they get their auras get bigger and they get faster and more aggressive. Right. 
uh, and their casting speed increases. Like they, they yep. just end up being like, this was, you know, the game never gets very, very hard. Uh, but mm-hmm. this was like a, whoa, this is my first big adjustment to my strategy dealing with mm-hmm. their uh, increased capability to take me out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I had already had a pretty insurmountable lead at this point. Yeah. You know, so it's like, I do, I recognize, like, I'm not no sailing that point. Like, I recognize that they are doing things to make it more hard. It mm-hmm. never got the challenge that it, it needed to have for me. Yeah. Like, it's still a choice that they made. It can still be a clever design thing, but the system itself does not support it for me. Right. So, and this is not a weird brag. Like, I'm bad at tons of video games. Mm-hmm. I don't think there's any, like, it's not cool that I'm good at the sports game higher <laughs> that I didn't like. <laughs> you know, I don't feel good about that. I just, right. you know. Yeah. Just the case. Mm-hmm. Um. So, next area is called the Flagging Hands. Um, and this is this gross, like, wetland swamp area. Yeah, and everybody hates the idea of going here. Everybody mm-hmm. hates being here. Um, mm-hmm. And that manifests as, like, stat debuffs that you get yep. kind of at every at every turn. Mm-hmm. Um, which don't, I didn't feel very much. Right. So I think it's hope that goes down in this, so it's mm-hmm. like your guys will stay banished longer. Right. Uh, spend some more time in the void. Uh, you talk to Rookie, and he's like, hey, like, actually, uh, I owe Barker money. Um, but I have people on the other side, uh, who are in the Commonwealth who are super rich. Mm-hmm. So this problem is going to solve itself. Like Rookie comes from money. He is a temporarily embarrassed American. <laughs> right. Okay. Um, yeah. Uh, and I mean, that's kind of not necessarily true. Like that, mm-hmm. that, that is the, that, that is his whole thing is that, uh, he talks up the fact that he comes from good stock, but in reality they had fallen on hard times a long time ago. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so we consider the best path through marshes. Um, and this is where we're introduced to the beyond crystal, the orb where you can go in and do the, uh, uh, the, the challenges to get your, uh, to, to, to get your, uh, upgraded ultimate talisman kind of, uh, deals, uh, mm-hmm. inside of there. So you have the beyonders that are led by Sandra. Uh, they were a triumvirate that, uh, got bound into service in this orb, uh, just because they transgress the rules. So, uh, so profoundly. So like, haha. Yeah. Um, eternity prison, eternity sports prison for you. Yep, eternity sports prison for you, my 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 good lady. Mm-hmm. Um, here you can again do those one on threes to get a thing. You can also just practice. I thought here, oh, you don't get experience. A, yeah, for practice. I thought oh, this will be a good way to like level up my dudes in between. Nope. Nope. Yeah. <laughs> got no experience for practice. Right. Uh, I did a match for this and I was like, what the fuck? <laughs> like even in, in the narrative, like I understand like not wanting to allow grinding because grinding is hell but also like yeah but they're practicing the sport how does it not make them better at the sport right you know it doesn't make any sense yeah um you know so uh you kind of you have three different paths to go through here uh there is a mass grave that gives you an item um plague mont good name uh, which is the direct path that gives hope loss or fallow field where you can get some stardust yes uh to improve a uh a talisman. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I did that third one. I don't remember the specifics of it. Yeah. I uh, went, I went through the cold moat, uh, the mass grave. Um, and you kind of act like Yuna here. Uh, you end up mm-hmm. using your book to put some souls to rest. Um, mm-hmm. and this got me something I could sell. So they can do that. Yeah. Apparently this book <laughs> said, can, Oh, interesting. <laughs> a powerful book. Oh, good book. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Yep. So uh, we get to uh, the the site of the right. Uh, mm-hmm. you, you, universally, I love the introduction to the uh, to the uh, right sites because mm-hmm. you are uh, doing them in the shadows of these huge, really well designed Titan corpses. Yeah, as it pans down and the voice speaks bombastically about the teams involved. 
Um, the team we're going up against uh, is the Withdrawn, and this is where we're introduced to Bog Crones. Yes. Uh, specifically the their leader here, which Ud, Ud Umtilda? Yeah. Ud, Ud, Ud Milde? Yeah, I don't know. Ud um, Yeah. They never say it. Yeah. Uh, so uh, she is, like, worships this character called Yalsh. Yisal, is Islak? Islak? Islak, some kind yeah. of Cthulian... You know, yeah, it's like, it's like a it's a, a, a serpent that sleeps beneath the earth that will awaken and bring about the end. Like, yep. the people are hesitant to even say the name of this blasphemous beast uh, for fear that they will bring it about. Mm-hmm. Uh, as far as I know, nothing really comes of this. Right, there might be more like you know codex stuff later for this, but this is just like and she's kind of portrayed as as a, a nutty zealot. Yeah. Uh, during this um i like fighting the bog crones though i like it when we eventually get one mm-hmm. um i like their music too one of the things i like about that introduction not only is it just beautiful because everything in this game is beautiful but i really love the music in it it doesn't have the same feeling that the transistor and bastion music did where it had those vocal numbers mm-hmm. that are just like so incredible like bastion is probably still my favorite soundtrack right of of the three but the music in this is very good because they do the peter and the wolf thing really well yes um every character and race has a theme and they are all very distinct mm-hmm. Um, in a really great way. Yep. Um, so let's talk about bog witches, what they are like to to fight. Yeah, so the bog witches are uh, offensive powerhouses. <laughs> Uh, yeah. The what, what they can do the you know the primary thing that will differentiate them is um, their aura casting attack, which is a spread shot, mm-hmm. which is a big deal. Um, the very likely that you, it moves a little slower, but it has a wide range. It's hard to dodge. Mm-hmm. Um, they have a weird aura that is actually a big downgrade. Mm-hmm. It's like this wavy line, so it's a lot harder to, for them to tackle. Um, but they are pretty quick yeah. as well. They have a good jump. I think they have a similar jump to Jodariel where they can do a little shockwave. Mm-hmm. And they do tons of points if they get near Pyre. Yes. So they are actually like really offensive. And as soon as we did this, I was like, oh, I want one of those. Mm-hmm. Um, you don't get one for a long time. Right. Which is a bummer, but I I like this class quite a bit. This has ended up being one of my favorites. Mm-hmm. It's a fun match. It, it like mm-hmm. it, it is interesting to go against uh, somebody who has a, a a power that is that much greater than yours. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, it's neat. The spread shots yeah. are uh, they, they they add some texture to it. Uh, partway through, um, she can summon the power of a slock, uh, which puts acid pits in the arena, which will banish you if you go through them. Mm-hmm. Um, so like that doesn't necessarily like. I don't see how that plays into their particular mechanics, uh, really, but it no. does add a little bit of interest and, uh, mm-hmm. you know, texture to that match. Yeah. It's a little weird that all of your opponents are able to cheat. Yes. Like when we are supposed to actually be kind of sympathetic to a lot of them and uh, feel like they also deserve a chance. Yes. To go topside. Um, ultimately, like they're all cheaters, like just about except for Delhart. Yes. Or whatever. Like they're kind of shits. <laughs> um, the next area is the Sea of Solace. Um, this is gonna, this is the wreckage of a frigate in the forebo- in this foreboding sea. Um, Sandalwood can help you. Um, he does this through a proxy called Big Bertrude. I love that. Uh, I love Big Bertrude. <laughs> Something that I love about the names in general in this, like mm-hmm. it, it's it's pretty obvious what they're doing, but it's a good trick. Uh, which is most of the names are just the beginning and ends of different names put together. So it could mm-hmm. be Big Bertha or Big Gertrude, but it's Bertrude instead. Yeah. And like later you it, get like Pamatha and Tamatha. Like that's almost yep. a name. Like it's that's very, really... it's actually very naming your D and D character. Yeah. <laughs> you know, um, it also, even the names of the nouns and stuff have that super giant feel like the downside mm-hmm. is an excellent name yeah. of like a purgatory underworld. 
that has so much flavor. Like that is just a really, really evocative, good phrase. Mm -hmm. And they didn't like the writing in this. They didn't forget how to write right between these games. Like this is a really well-written game and that naming convention and that nouning convention both contribute to that. Absolutely. Um, so the, uh, uh, your minstrel guy kind of pulls you aside. says like, Hey, that the bog crone, uh, we had it wasn't actually crazy. Y'all, y'all, actually is a threat. One of these beasts that were initially put to rest by the eight scribes. Um, and the skin is actually, you know, this book that we have, uh, it's bound in its skin. Yep. Um, and we, Big Bertrude, we introduced, or introduced is actually one of these hags. Mm -hmm. Um, and says, like, I will actually fix your wagon so you can get across the sea, but you have to tell me a little bit about Sandalwood. Right. right. Um, this plays into a weird kind of love plot. Yeah. A little bit later. <laughs> Yeah. yeah. Um I I kind of fucked that up uh with the ascensions that I chose, but yeah. <laughs> so it's it's very weird. Um and Sandalwood is the person who I expected. It basically in all of his forums I expected Sandalwood to be the person who betrayed us. Oh yeah. The fact think, that he I mean, is a shadowy informant. <laughs> well, and it is a I mean as much as like we cannot be this much of a parody of ourselves. Mm -hmm. This game does say certain races are conniving. Yeah. Um you know <laughs> When we're introduced to Sandalwood, it's like these long-term schemers are conniving and use tricks to get their way or something. I'm like, it's a weird thing to ascribe to a race. Yeah. Dog. Like, you know, that's just kind of, I know that it's a tree man and it doesn't, you know, but I just wonder if that is a weird level of woke that people will get to in the future. Yeah. Where you just don't ascribe things to races, period. Maybe. You know, uh -huh. but the fact that his the way when his race is introduced, they tell you that about him. And that has to be an intentional zig yeah like you have to think that he is so it is doing something that reminds me a little bit of fulbright stuff like the like this world full of decent people is worth fighting for which is like to me is the you know that what i've decided is the a fulbright cornerstone you know like a, a core of what i get from those games mm -hmm. um and it's trying to do that a little bit but the plot without it ends up being so straight laced that it just doesn't end up having like very much intrigue to intrigue is the word that I was, that, that I yeah. was going to put in your mouth. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, so we're going to go eventually, you know, we, we talk about Sandalwood a little bit, mm -hmm. um, headwind is C6. So we can't participate. That's another kind of narrative way. Someone gets knocked out. Yes. Yeah. Um, so our opponents this time are Sir Sir Gilman, who is the leader of the Pyrehearts. Uh, mm -hmm. They are worms. Or the Deluge. Sir Deluge or whatever is actually the leader. Gilman. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Gilman should we get. Yes. Uh, Gilman is there and prominent, but uh, Sir Deluge is the bad leader of this joke team. Mm -hmm. um, they are worms. Yeah. They are worms dressed as knights. Right. Um, and like I thought this was generally pretty cute. Like it is a very big comedy thing. It's, it's everything ex, with Sir Gilman is big. Yeah, it's extremely broad. Um, yeah. If you are looking, you know, if, you're, if you're if you're just hearing this and you haven't experienced it, and you're trying to think, okay, who is who is Gilman? Think Didymus from the uh, from the Labyrinth is what yes. we're dealing with. But a worm, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, and all of his kind of accoutrements, all of his music and colors and stuff 
all play into this. Mm-hmm. Like Didymus is actually the perfect bull. Like he's exactly Didymus. Yeah. So much so that like Jim Henson Company should sue these people. <laughs> actually, like he is Sir Didymus. <laughs> it's ag- he's actionably Didymus. Um, the uh, so um, he shows up and he's all about honor and justice and knighthood and such. And Deluge is just this coward. Yeah. You eventually learn that he essentially just got promoted through not dying. <laughs> yeah. He just happened to live through enough engagements <laughs> to get from Peter principled into yeah. a leading position. Like it is pretty funny. Yeah. Um, their whole thing. So this is one of the weirdest, their offensive thing I think is really annoying. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't like it. Like, and you get one of these, and I don't like how it works there. It's the weirdest one to me. Mm-hmm. Instead of them shooting a beam, they have this little trail behind them a little bit. Yeah, they can press a button to zip backwards and create a little barrier mm-hmm. and to uh, so it's kind of like the Tron light cycles um, in order to banish someone. You have to Tron light cycle them. Yes, um, this I felt and this could be me being an idiot. I didn't feel like this was well explained to me from when I fought up against them, nor well enough explained to me for using it. Mm-hmm. And you do another one of those little action scenes here in a minute, which we'll talk about where you are sport, supposed to use it. And I had no idea what was happening. Oh, yeah. Like, it just didn't, I just, something, you know, I was paying attention. I don't know what it was. Like, again, could be me as an idiot, but it was not explained well enough how this was supposed to work in practice. If you, so I ended up having more success using Gilman um, offensively than you did, I think. I cannot mm-hmm. explain why. Um, be, I think that it literally just might be uh, the, just that it he works in my hands and not in yours. Like, just, it's just uh, like I, I just yeah. ended up, like, figuring out. And the thing that appeals to me about his attack is that it's quick and it seems to come from nowhere. Like It is fast. Yeah. And I can see it being really great for playing against the human player, mm-hmm. where, like, you actually can trick something. Yeah. You know, the AI cannot be tricked. It, it um, could be outmaneuvered like that. Sure. Like, yeah. you can you can use it to block it off from something, but you're not going to, like, get in its head. Yeah. You know, and psych it out with this thing mm-hmm. and, and use that quickness. The... um. He ended up, uh, it's just that he's different than every other scoring mechanism. Yeah. Uh, or every other casting mechanism, excepting perhaps Tree Man. Right, right. Who has a different, are very different. But out of the eight that you get, two of them are very, very different. And Tree Man, I felt like, got a very good tutorial yeah. on how to use Tree Man. This guy, I just didn't feel like it was very good. Mm-hmm. I ended up eventually coming to peace with him. At first, I was like, and we haven't got him yet. We do the fight. Mm-hmm. Um, there's not a whole lot to it. No, um, no, you know, and the, 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 like this is a joke fight because they're a joke team. Like, yes. they've got these, you know, they're, they're they're tiny and fast. They move quickly. They've got these small auras, and eventually they just start bickering with each other. They take their eyes off the prize, and you can just dunk on them until you win. Yep, yep, yep. Um, I want to finish. Like, we're jumping ahead a little bit. Uh-huh. We'll finish this Gilman thing when he joins you. But like the, uh, at first, my whole thing was like train this guy up so he can get out of here. Yeah, like I wanted to ditch him, but eventually I just ended up having to use him. And the way I made peace with him was I just never had him banish. Yeah, he's just fast, mm-hmm. fast, long jump. That's ultimately how I ended up using him too. He's fast and he has a tremendous amount of stamina. Yeah, um, or or his jumps and dashing don't use very much stamina. Effectively, it's the same. He can just go and go and go and becomes you you know a very good scorer. And that is uh, kind of counterbalanced by the fact that, like, he does half as much damage to the pyre as, like, Joe Dariel mm-hmm. does. Like, she does the, 30 and he does 15. And one of the ways you can uh, buff that up or one of the ways that the actual economy system does work into things is you can give him a talisman that ups that. Yes. To make him an average damage. But he's our and you get to keep his advantages. Right. I just can never banish with him. Mm-hmm. Um. So after you finish this, we're going to next place we're heading to is the Black Basin mm-hmm. through the Deathless Tempest. And uh, the minstrel says, I don't know if we can actually get through here, but we have to try it. Mm-hmm. Um, 
Zebe says like, Hey, do you think heaven likes you? I said, Hey, ask him, Right. you know, like follow your heart. And she's like, Oh, I don't mean like that. Oh, huh. And that's yeah. everything. She has another romantic lead later. Yeah. Like, I couldn't, I, don't know, I couldn't get a read on what they were trying to do, especially like this introduced. And I thought, wait, is there a, is there a dating system in this? Like, is this, is this I, that much of a visual novel? I was going to crumble myself up into a fucking failed <laughs> manuscript yeah. and, and put myself in a publisher's waste bin. <laughs> like I was not going to vote to allow a dating sim aspect of this to intrude this far in. Like I cannot chew through this much fucking cornmeal. Um, yeah, it didn't turn. I was worried about that too, that all my guys were going to pair up and there is some minor romance, but yeah. it's used pretty tastefully. Right. Yeah. It was, <laughs> so I was like, <laughs> I saw that and I was like, okay, if that was a thing, then Gary would have, mentioned i would have warned you yeah (laughs) Yeah, i would have screened from the rooftops (laughs) i would have put up one of those big like you know like those uh like a big sign in my window yeah so all of portland you you would have shot it into your phone so hard that you were transmitted bodily over the waves and erupt through my phone like electricity gremlin i would just explode out of your iphone (laughs) yeah and spill you know nude and bleeding and just like (laughs) there is a dating sim in fucking pyre and you'd be like oh cool like and i'd be like no and then i would have to borrow your clothes yeah and i would (laughs) like like, steve jobs cosplay to the airport and then (laughs) fly back home yeah we'd have to expense a ticket for yeah. yeah i'd have to turn the terminal it and turn into <laughs> one of tom hanks lovably racist foreign idiots <laughs> uh, <laughs> you know they just be no good yeah so it'd be pretty good bad. That, that world didn't happen yeah so um, um, so we <laughs> we get to the edge of the storm uh this mm-hmm. is where gilman uh he has decided hey i've got uh i, I i've had it up to here with their shit i can mm-hmm. join you and i can help you guys get through this you know the, the, this deathless tempest yeah yeah and uh, we need somebody for every one of the, all the masks so we may as well grab you yes um and then so he says he can get you through the storm this is the second arcade segment yeah where you have to defeat these spawn going through the storm i failed this because i couldn't figure out his thing nothing happens yeah. there's not even like a narrative not about it yeah and the the thing that you're doing doesn't seem connected to the storm i don't remember them saying that like oh these eldritch monstrosity eggs are what's causing this it's just kind of like oh while we're here i might as well take these out so they don't grow up and kill people yeah yeah so weird. Not great. Um, and this also introduces the minstrel will play and sing songs as you pass through. Mm-hmm. Um, good songs. Uh, mm-hmm. Not it doesn't rise to the level of the other vocal songs, I think. But that's still my opinion. Pleasant too. enough. They're good. Yeah. Yeah. There's one of them you hear over and over and over again that I was a little bit like. Yeah. I was. I had an arc with where I was like, oh, this is good. Oh, I kind of like that this is over and over again. Oh, I kind of don't like that this is over and over again. Like. Yeah. Went through a real arc with it. Mm-hmm. Um, when you get through this, we learn the high wing harpies are here. So these are harps. Um, they can pose a problem. The minstrel says, hey, I can negotiate with them. And uh, Joe Dariel does not want to do that. She was a soldier yep. back in the Commonwealth. And I say, no, we can negotiate because I choose the peaceful option generally in video games. Mm-hmm. And uh, she loses some hope. Yes, uh, because you sided against her. Mm-hmm. Um, and that is a pretty profound um, you know, part of her backstory is her mm-hmm. conflict with these. Mm-hmm. Um, so we meet the leader of this, of uh, this team, Pamatha, um, outside of the, outside of the site there. She is a harp who knows. She's headwind. not the leader. She's the one who joins us, but Tamatha is the leader. I yeah. Sorry. I got them yeah. confused. Yeah. Um, well, under, understandably. 
Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Pamatha is a harp who knows Hedwin, um, and that in actually leads to her joining the team. Yep. Again, we need Sony for all the masks. Yes. And she can help um, settle this. She has a score to settle uh, with the harps, including her sister, Tamitha, who leads the who leads the essence. Mm hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. And she's great. Um, we didn't mention this. You do get a little tutorial when new people join you. Mm -hmm. You have to do each of their verbs three times. Yeah. Uh, to get stuff. And uh, I love her. Mm -hmm. um, she's really cool. Her um, she can fly. That's her big thing. Yes, obviously. And that's really it takes up stamina. But that's extremely powerful in this game. Um, because you can fly over opponents' heads. Like, they can jump and tackle her, mm -hmm. but not everybody has the same equal jumps, and you can get over all obstacles. Yes. Um, um, the trade-off for that is that her aura casting is not especially great. Um, instead of sending out a beam, what she does is she, uh, like, does a, uh, like, a dash tackle, almost. I, I actually really like that, because oh, yeah? you gain ground. Oh. Um, if I tackled somebody with the ball, I was closer to pick up the ball. Oh, yeah. And could can use that momentum. Like I did a lot of dash tackle to the ball, grab the ball, fly into the hoop. Yeah, so much of her appeal was the ability to stay out of danger. Um, mm. That um, uh, having something that put me closer into danger kind of ran counter to how I wanted to use her. She she was ended up being by far my most used character. Yeah, um, ended up getting like banishment sickness like three times. <laughs> yeah, same. From this point on, she was always in my party if I could help it. Yeah. Um. So I. Uh, with the, her opponents, the harp team is called the Essence, mm -hmm. um, and they fly. So, like, you want to have Pamatha. Pamatha hates Jordariel and vice versa. So Jordariel, Jordariel would not actually participate right. with uh, with Pamatha, which kind of nullifies that negative for hope. Yes. You know, thing. it's kind of an interesting that they just give you that give that feeling of a bad mechanical consequence without actually having it. Mm -hmm. um, and yeah, the, so, so, so that, that incompatibility actually extends after this. Like, yeah. you have to wait until a story beat to where they can actually play with each other. Yep. And for me, that choice was very easy. Yes. Um, the, uh, you can jump and tackle people in the, on the other team, but they, uh, the enemy versions of this fly kind of all the time, you know, here. Yeah. So yeah. it's a little bit, uh, a little bit different than you, like you walk on the ground, you can walk very slowly and you, you can do that to tackle people around the ground. Mm -hmm. The enemy versions just kind of almost always fly. Yeah. So, um, for this, this ended up being a good, um, uh, kind of a good tutorial or practice ground for uh, counter jumping, mm -hmm. you know, which is like, hey, you know, like if, if somebody is trying to dunk into your pyre, a well-timed jump, at the, you know, a well-timed, a well-aimed jump will, uh, you know, save you from getting that score. Uh, and mm -hmm. it's also really satisfying. You know, it's it's like getting an air shot in uh, in Rocket League. Yeah. Yeah. Yep, yep. So, um. At the end of the match, we had, there's like a one-on-one -on -one fight between Pamatha and Tamatha, uh, her sister. Yes. And uh, afterwards, like, you know, after the fight, Pamatha says, like, I didn't actually get what I wanted out of that conflict, so I'll stick, stay with you. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, there's all this dialogue about whether she will betray you as well. Mm -hmm. um, that becomes, even down to the point, like, and this comes later, but I just want to make sure, this is what I thought of when it happens, is the voice in the sky says you have a spy in your party. Yeah. And... That coupled with her and being trust untrustworthy and Sandalwood's holsties, mm -hmm. it is such an intentional thing in this game to make you feel like you're going to be betrayed and not do it. Mm -hmm. But to what end? I know that like I'm hammering that a lot. Yeah. But I don't understand the narrative or thematic purpose of that. Unless it is literally just, well, actually friends come together. Yeah. You know, it, it's if there is a whatever it doesn't mean that's the only possible thematic purpose for that mm -hmm. but the only one i can think of is very boring 
yeah, it's pretty boring. Like, and it's only shaded a little bit more by the circumstances. You know, like, mm-hmm. oh, friends will come together. It turns out that all of you have the same goal. Um, yeah, and there is there like at no point is there actually a benefit to you uh, to undercut each other. Yeah, but the tension is not very high. Oh no, in wanting to undercut each other, yeah. like that should be something that I want to do and have the opportunity to do, mm-hmm. and I make that choice to undercut somebody or not, and I have to make the realization that I have the same benefit, you know, the same goal as someone else. Yes, and then it becomes about this kind of strange bedfellows thing, which is cool. Mm-hmm. Um, but it just never happens. It's like it's part of this game not pushing you hard enough to actually express its themes. Yeah. You know, um, the next area we go to is the Glade of Lou. Uh, hey, <laughs> hello. <laughs> hello. Yeah. Um, and the minstrel says, hey, we're actually going to run into Sandalwood. Yeah. He's at the edge of this area called the Waking Wood. Yep. Um, and this is where the Oregon Trail section kind of turns into a little bit of a maze. There are several waypoints that you have to go to, um, and you you know you make these choices. You can get a little bit lost on your way to finding him uh, at the Cinder Route. Hmm. Yeah, I I might have just lucked into the right choices on this. Oh yeah, and uh, there's, yeah no, there's there's no real penalty for 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 spending time. I think. You oh can, yeah. Like maybe get like one or two other debuffs for that, but yeah. I just I just remember kind of going right to him. Yeah. More or less. Um, so we meet we meet Sandalwood. Yeah, his name is Volfred Sandalwood, um, and he is a sap, which is kind of like a tree man, tree ant. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and he is also a reader. Yeah, he's like, hey, you know, you can actually leave. I'm the reader here, and like, leave and fucking do what? <laughs> yeah, um, <laughs> like, you know, so so I insist on staying there, and I I framed it through like these are my friends, and your friends will like stick up for you. Yes. But and that was like mildly true, but also just like, what would I do? Yeah. <laughs> like, what you know? does this game become? Yeah. I don't have there's no other context for this world other than this. Right. Yeah. I don't know what I don't know what real people do. No. <laughs> in this land. Like the Subsist downside has food. <laughs> the downside has a very big sense of flavor uh-huh. and not a very big sense of place. Right. Like, are there towns? Are there domiciles? Do people like I mean, there's a little bit of hinting about that. Mm-hmm. But you have to really search for it. Like the entirety of your experience with this are roving sports teams. Yes. You know? Yeah. Um, Doesn't seem like there's a place to be outside of being part of these the wagons. Yeah. Yeah. They got to be on the court, coach. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so um, it is good that you have Wolfred here because we're going to be seeing more saps. Eventually, we're going to be able to play as him. Um, mm-hmm. But that isn't until kind of the, uh, Way late. the, yeah, the, the, the second half of this game. Um, another thing, sorry to cut you off. Another thing, I know we, we stopped talking about things in the book because mm-hmm. it's boring, but knowing this or thinking this guy was going to betray me as soon as he shows up a new page is revealed. That's called the demon uh-huh. that says the emperor was transformed into a demon as a mirror of his reputation. And I was like, oh yeah, this guy's evil. <laughs> right. Like you are, man, they are pushing that scale. Like I didn't really put it together in aggregate until now, but yeah. they were pushing that fucking thumbing that scale. Yes, they were. Yeah, um, um, weird, <laughs> a weird move. Uh, the next team is the Chastity, led ironically by M. Manly Tinderstaff. Yep, <laughs> the uh, very good like porn name. Yeah, yeah. Um, and he is uh, a roustabout. Uh, I, I don't know what other way to say. He's a he's a rapscallion. Um, you know, just a like like a proper gentleman shamed by being down here um and incredibly pompous uh and yeah. sandalwood who can uh, yes i can i i think things i would never say he can speak yeah. to you telepathically and say yeah, yeah manly isn't to be trusted which no shit dog yeah no shit like <laughs> and manly is just trying to like probe you for information yeah yeah you know early on i didn't say anything to him i don't know what happens if you do 
Yeah. Um, and so the saplings are interesting. Um, this is the only time I fought them. Okay. Uh, up until the last, like, manage, I think you had to fight them once in the final rights or whatever, but there's a part where this opens up and you can fight whoever you want. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't really like fighting them very much, but they are really interesting. Yes. Um, instead of casting an aura, instead of a dash, they have a teleport. Mm-hmm. And instead of casting an aura, they put a little sapling that has an aura around it. Yes. And you can banish the person to get rid of their sapling, but the sapling just kind of is this area denial. Yeah. Thing. Um, and this kind of hammered home for me. Um, when the sap stands next to their sapling, like when their auras overlap, both of their auras get bigger. So mm-hmm. used properly, this is a big defensive maneuver to deny access to a whole area. It gets so big that you can't like properly jump over it. And that ends up seeming like, again, like, okay, once I have this guy on my team, mm-hmm. I can spend some time while the enemy is doing whatever they want, setting up a defense yes. perimeter. But because I can never be controlling that, and those characters don't move. All the enemy has to do is zap my tree guy. Yes. Do you know what I mean? So like it is a defensive thing, but there is no need because you can't play active defense and still win the game. Right. You know, and, and, so like this is an area where that like lack of AI for your teammates like really falls down. <laughs> like setting up this defensive perimeter seems cool. Yeah. Seems like a cool idea, but uh-huh. you can't babysit it and still advance the game state. Yeah, the the the, the best defense results in you, results in you not playing this game. Actually, yes, the, the best defense is going and and you know taking a nap. <laughs> like the uh, you have to be offensive in this game. Yes, um, and you, you, if you could set up AI, if you um, or if there was a rudimentary AI, but even more, if there's kind of a system where you could set up kind of like plays or tactics for mm-hmm. your other team members, yeah, then defense would become an element of this, and like. Yeah basketball in general which is i mean it is like hockey because has that penalty element but one of the reasons why i compare this to basketball more than anything is because basketball as far as sports goes has one of the smallest amount of defensive options yes basketball is not a very defensive game you can intercept Mm -hmm. a ball but you cannot contact the other player right so like it ends up feeling extremely defensive this is where i did all my tackling in a non-defensive in an offensive way Mm -hmm. and did almost no defense right in it so i'm not i know we already talked about that but this is just the tree guys are a really good example of a missed opportunity with that to me. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I agree. No. So, um, so the, the, this is interesting, not just because we are introduced to the sapling mechanic, but also because this arena has a, a bit of a trick to it. Um, mm-hmm. and Manly says he's doing this, but I think it's actually just a property of the space. Uh, so you're playing in a forest, uh, and the forest is kind of like growing in around you. So the map starts wide open, but in between scores, like, you know, like during the different rallies, uh, vines will start creeping in and form barriers. And eventually mm-hmm. the space becomes really constricted and congested. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And you fly over it. Yes. <laughs> um yeah uh next we're going to mount uh elodiel um which is the site called the fall of solium in mount elodiel yes uh and when you get there volfred asks you like what freedom means to you um this is kind of a, a theme as well kind of in the game there's a yeah. little bit of that to this um i don't know exactly where it lands but that this comes up multiple times as kind of a motif yeah um, um, it, I mean, it makes a certain amount of sense, right? Because you are fighting for freedom, but that is ambiguous, right? Mm-hmm. It is ambiguous and personal and can actually inform. And like, you can see a little bit too in the other characters, specifically the enemy teams, you know, the, the way that the desire for freedom manifests differently for them. Right. It, that's true. But then once we actually are introduced to the macro plot of this, mm-hmm. 
every one of our characters, all of our point of view characters, they are going topside to incite this revolution that we'll learn about. Yes. Like that, what that freedom means, everyone gets shunted through the same Plato play place, like mold Yeah. what freedom means to them. So when I say that it's a thing that they're trying to do, it is a a theme that they kind of explore a little bit, Mm -hmm. but not very well to the player i think oh yeah but by describing that i'm not saying they achieve it i'm just an advocate for their intention yeah it is it is a good intention it is a cool thing for a game to be about yes you know um so you can say different things you can say living without fear you can say like doing what you want to do um you can say uh like being without worry like things like that yes um and regardless of what you say he says like interesting Here's my plan. <laughs> here's here's what here's what the rest of this game's about. I was just waiting to talk. <laughs> um, we're not just going to free the people in downside. We're going to go to the other side, organize, unionize, and topple capitalism. Um, um, I mean, not not, not specifically. What, I know, I just... <laughs> what we're going to do uh, is, you know, the Commonwealth is corrupt. Uh, all it takes is to look at us as exiles to understand that a system that uh, results in this cannot be just. Right. Mm-hmm. So we're not just going to you know, like to, our, our goal is not just to free ourselves, but to um, topple the Commonwealth and bring down the system and end the practice of exile. Uh, so nobody has to live in fear of that again. Yeah, get rid of this the system. Take down the wall in uh, Neverwinter Nights: Mask of the Betrayer. Yes. Yeah, and when we learn a little bit about Wolfred, the reason he came down, he was a teacher and he had a printing press. Yeah. <laughs> so literacy is banned, and that's why you were cast yeah. out too. Yeah. So there's n- there's not tons of shade. Right. To this, um, like yes, I am pro literacy. <laughs> Woof! Taking a yeah. risk there, buddy. Yeah. Uh, again, like again, shades of Bioshock Infinite, right? Like. Yeah. Asking you to take a position that, of course, you take. Right. Like, oh yeah, like I don't like racism, but I also don't like child killing. <laughs> I guess I am. I guess I'm in the the wide pocket of this game. Right. You know, in this one, it's like it wants to have some of that moral shade, but like, yeah, no, I'm I'm against an, an anti literacy dictatorship that throws people into a hell purgatory. Yeah. Yeah, I'm against that. Cool. <laughs> yep. Um, Sign me up. Yeah. So he says, you know, read. He says, here's the twist, though. Your friends might not have told you this, but readers cannot go free. Right. You yeah. have to participate in the rights. Right. Um, you know, so Wolfred as a reader who also plays, he can go, but the, 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 the reader is just, you know, differently able, um, yeah. you know, like there's the, the, the process of being down here left you just unable to partic- to participate in these. Yep. Um, so you say that's okay. Uh, yeah. you get to the base of the mountain. Wolfred says like, this is how it's going to work. We're going to face the temper and, uh, the, the base of this mountain, this like end mountain, mm-hmm. one of our XLs is going to send if we win, we can't all go at once. Right. So we're not going to go just we have to go one at a time. That's the other kind of twist here. Mm-hmm. And this is a big twist in the game. And yeah. this is a thing that it is working with that I think is semi successful and semi missed opportunity where the idea is you're supposed to have this tension between like three different axes like or multiple different axes. I don't know exactly how many, but one, mm-hmm. a player's position on your team. Right. Like how tactically useful they are to your affection for that character, mm-hmm. like whether you want them to be free. Right. Uh, and then three, the third thing, which comes up a little bit later, when, and I will just spoil it now, this is a spoiler podcast, you eventually learn not everyone's going to be able to go. Right. So it's their even eventual possibility of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
Um, and you know, kind of one of the major complications in this is you cannot anoint a team member to ascend, uh, if you, if they, if you have not been using them and if you haven't been, uh, you know, getting to know them. So yep. like if you have been rolling around and Gilman has been warming the bench and you, you might think, okay, well, I'll just send, send up my, send up my C team. No, you, mm-hmm. you, you can't do that. You, you like categorically, you have to send somebody who has been useful to you. Yep. Um, and so that is one of the ways that they force you to churn through and use Gilman or use Tizo or any of these other specialty players, uh, mm-hmm. because, you know, in combination with banishment sickness, you just can't afford not to have somebody who doesn't play. And one of the ways this doesn't work, and we'll get to this when we start, uh, cause once guys are gone, they're gone forever. Yep. Um, is that there are characters in this game that, that they are not all created equal, even in a non subjective sense. Mm-hmm. There are characters that are explicitly joke characters Yes. in this. So I chose very intentionally. I said, okay, that's what the game is trying to do. That's a neat trick. I am going to play like this as an RP server. I'm going to send up my friends and the people I like the best and the people who deserve it. Mm-hmm. What that meant was I had this ridiculous joke squad of clowns <laughs> left over to do all of the dramatic final beats. <laughs> like every, every intense speech was heard by tree man Hag Lady, Tizo, and Gilman. <laughs> you know, the, the quadrant of fuck-ups <laughs> that I could not get rid of and I didn't want to get rid of because once it becomes evident that only certain people can be free, and even before then, uh-huh. like when it wasn't only certain people, but who I want to have be free because I like them. Uh-huh. You know, so it just like ends up being a really goofy tone thing mm-hmm. <laughs> near the end. Like one of my final characters with Tizo? <laughs> you know, like Tizo, Tizo lived forever in the thing. <laughs> You know, and it's just like, oh, am I supposed to feel sad about that? Like, I don't know. Like, he's they, a drive imp. Do those things even exist in the Commonwealth? They don't. You know? Yeah. <laughs> Explicitly, weird. they don't. It's weird. <laughs> yeah. Like, it is a weird, 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 weird system that does not work as well where you can see exactly what they were going for mm-hmm. as, a, as a tension. But it is just, again, like unwieldy and too ambitious i guess yeah you know yeah no so i ended up doing the other way it was kind of like a almost like a last in first out policy not quite but Mm -hmm. you know um i I wanted to just for symmetry's sake keep as much of my original squad as possible so the first person that i sent up was rookie i sent up rookie as well yeah that's interesting i mean you can only send the original three now yes I mean, it's those are the only people you know enough, and yeah. the only people who are who are there. He seemed like the person who most would benefit from being back in the Commonwealth. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, he's he's a city mouse, and we're in the country, right? Yeah. Um, and you know, I liked Jodariel, and I liked Hedwin, and I wanted to keep them around. Um, and Jodariel and Hedwin, and like, just like that, they were there with me at the end, along with Wolfred. That would be great. Yeah. I wish that that was, you know, because that sounded like I didn't know that we were going to have such high stakes drama at the end. At this yeah. point, I didn't know not everyone was going to be able to go. Mm-hmm. And I would have liked to experience the end game with that instead of with my my trio of chuckle fucks. <laughs> like, and the only good thing about it was I was able to leave the, the trio of at the very end. This is again a spoiler, but you don't have to send any of those three up. Right. Uh, at the right. end, I left that trio of chuckle fucks here <laughs> because it was Tizo, who, of course, should not go to the real world. Right. <laughs> Um, i don't think there's any food for him there yeah the hat lady who's very happy (laughs) and the tree she loves right and i was cool with it i was like this is the good choice as far as who's left over they're just not dramatically satisfying Uh i would have loved to have seen you know hedwin and jodariel react to that Mm -hmm. and is the idea i replay the game to see that um no probably not (laughs) it's 10 hours long yeah like no um not in a million years so like 
Yeah, I don't know. This is a weird, interesting idea that I think is a cool core mechanic that like maybe could be explored in a board game or something yeah. really well with like some real some tweaks, but like did not work for me very well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. So anyway, so I chose I chose rookie as well. Yes. Um, so along with this as well, we get some more exposition, like, like right here at the end of the first half of the game is where we're kind mm-hmm. of learning more of the stakes. So, you know, we are imposters that mm-hmm. is, uh, you know, that, that was implied by our first match when we went up against the accused, uh, headwind was actually following these clues laid up by Volfred to kind of recover this wagon from the original Nighthawks, Nighthawks, whatever, what Nightwings? Mm-hmm. There we Nightwings. go. Yeah. <laughs> Not the Nightwings painting the Nighthawks. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, and uh, to assemble a crew. Uh, and, you know, Sandalwood has been kind of manipulating us from a distance for basically no reason except for dramatic nope. purposes. Yeah, there's no reason for him. Again, Final Fantasy X shades. No real reason <laughs> for that to have been a twist or a reveal. Like, he right. could have just done it. There's a little bit where he doesn't put on the uniform because he has to hide from the eye in the sky. Yeah. But he would not need to put on a uniform, just walk up to somebody and be like, here's the plan. <laughs> right. I'll be a re- you know I'll be a reader for you if you do these rights you get free. Yes. And also I want it for this purely altruistic thing of setting up a revolution in the real world. Mm-hmm. Of course you're down with that. Let's do it. Yes. You know, he didn't have to trick anybody. Yeah. Um more backstory here the scribes, you know, the saints that we've been learning about, they created the you know the original teams. Uh, mm-hmm. but they also created this one team that all of them would be judged by, the original Nightwings. Mhm. So yep. that that is who we are pretending to be and why people well, have been reacting to our return to the scene strangely. Yep. I mean, it's not really pretending to be. It's like the same name, but yeah, yeah. we're the new batch. Right. Um, we will get uh, more information on the original yeah. Nightwing. It's, it's, it's one of the more interesting things that the narrative does. Yes. It's like when the Cleveland Browns play against the Ravens. Yeah. Presumably so. The yep. real Nightwings. <laughs> yep. Um, when you get there, you talk to uh, a version of Tariq who is like the opposite of Pete White. Yeah. So he's like all in dark colors and as a lady, they have some kind of weird romance. They're weird otherworldly beings. Yes, they're not of this uh, place. Yeah, I did not totally get them, but they sing a song over the final bout. That is the same song every time. There's this kind of dramatic, entirely done in this very beautiful, like two part harmony. Mm-hmm. The whole song. It's pretty cool. I just got sick of hearing yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. It is cool though. Yep. But to pass through the gate, you know, the scribes gate, we have to state our own goals. Uh thankfully <laughs> this doesn't happen every time. That was good. Yeah, that would have been crazy yeah uh, <laughs> uh but we go and we face it we face off against the final the final team here uh the last one we haven't you know seen before these are the temper uh led by ignarius um mm-hmm. this is a team of demons mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yep. and the yep. first person that you pick will be the person who ascends mm-hmm. yeah and uh yeah you pick uh, i pick rookie you pick rookie yep. the demons are actually not very hard i think right like i fought them more often actually later because they, they were a fairly easy win. Mm-hmm. Um, a team full of defensive Jodariels uh, can get flown rings around. Yes. Pretty easy. Yeah. Uh, the mix-up um, here, you know, so Ignarius has the huge aura. That was complicated a little bit by the presence of the Bog Crone as well. Mm-hmm. Um, just a lot more of the floor was dangerous, and I don't think I was leaning on Pamatha as much as, as you were at this time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, Rookie goes up. Well, he goes up through, like, a beam. Yeah. <laughs> A beam sends gets him up. raptured, yeah. Oh, no, you, um, you have to pass through the, uh, what is it, the shimmer pool? Yeah, the shimmer beam. Yeah. Well, th- that's what it is. It's like, that's the beam that, like, beams him up. Yes. You know? And everyone's sad. Every time somebody leaves, you kind of reflect on their life. Mm-hmm. Um, so everyone's sad about him leaving. Um, you go outside, you look at the stars, no stars are shining. So there are implied months off mm-hmm. during these things. It says, like, many moons pass. Yes. 
Yeah. Um, so so you go down into the moonlight alcove and just wait for this mm-hmm. for, for for the signs to show you like when the next season is going to start. Yep. Yep. That's exactly it. the ability to fly at this point yep they show you that and the best thing about this like it's so you can go back and forth mm-hmm. the overarching world map of this even though they're very beautiful the way they're kind of laid up as layers mm-hmm. um i don't think is actually that elegant um i love the mu- airship music in this game it's very good like it's just it's very simple just two notes like mm-hmm. it is a very simple song yeah but it's really really catchy and good um i also like that the other wagons can fly and you mm-hmm. can just run into them and have them say like hey i'm walking here yeah <laughs> it's like well, what the, yep. what in the world are you doing crashing into us yeah just to say hi at yeah. some point i want and there are also little points of interest you could fly by to get a little uh-huh. world nugget yeah at some point i avoided those things like they were poison because I was trying to just get quick. I was trying to move quick. Yeah. Um, I go fast. I was, I was a little bit done learning about the world. I didn't want the dialogue from these things anymore. And it's about at this point, about this halfway point of the game, which I felt, felt like maybe the game was going to start really ramping up here, but we're only halfway through. And part of the reason why I felt it was really going to ramp up here is because this is how long Bastion is. Yes. Is to get here. But now yeah. we're in the B side of the game. We are. Uh, and this is where the pacing really started to flag for me because I've seen everything that there is to see. Yep. This is where you start going in and doing like these exhibition matches. And there's a little bit of, there's a little bit of story in between, but like you are just trying to tick off as many boxes as you, as you can or enough boxes to open up the, the, the finals back up at the mountain. So you mm-hmm. can have somebody else ascend and you, have to make it so that seven people ascend so you are yeah. going through this rhythm many many times and this is I like i like i i message you on slack saying yeah pirates kind of goes on doesn't it yep <laughs> yeah, there's a little bit of that like dark souls to post aldeas keep feeling yeah where it's like yeah there's a lot of game here boy. <laughs> like this does keep going like it is um like i want to move over the section a little quicker because it is so tedious and yes. it is things we've seen before. Let's talk yeah. about the general differences and then hit some highlights, I guess. Yeah, let's do it. Um, so the, your opponent teams will start getting upgrades and trinkets as well. Mm-hmm. So they are upgraded versions of them, but the basics tend to be the same. Right. And they almost never shore up weaken weaknesses. They almost always uh, amplify strengths. Right. So a fast team will be faster. A flying team will be able to fly better. A team mm-hmm. that does a lot of damage will do even more damage. Yeah. Uh, and their mid-round advantage will get more pronounced. Yes. Um, there are meta stories that happen through this. Mm. This is where we are supposed to start getting sympathy for and caring about the other teams. Right. Of the thing. This did not land for me. Um, once like I did, I did not care about them. Mm-hmm. Um, the reason why I knew this was a thing is because Bay and the son of the dog character, uh, Sir Delfred or whatever, yeah. uh, Delmond, um, have a like little romance. Like afterwards, Bay was like, do you think he likes me? And they talk during the match. Yeah. I put them in the match together thinking like, okay, this is going to advance Bay's story. Mm-hmm. Um, it didn't really though. There was another part or something else I had to do afterwards. Yeah. And it's like, I just, 
this because this has become like following um npc quest lines a little bit yeah you know in, in souls or something to get all these things and i'm sure with a guide i could get them all mm-hmm. or like a bunch of replays yeah but i wanted like i was ready for the game to be over like it was the five hour super giant mark yes and i just at this point was fucking putting my foot through the floor on the gas pedal like mm-hmm. please get me through this yeah you know yeah um uh, same I, I, I don't know that i have anything anything huge to add to that it's just like it, it feels like you're getting into this place where there are numerous connections between different people and there are lots of different like small outcomes but like all of them kind of shrink in significance i think that them adding flavor and context to the other teams that would land a lot more for me if it didn't just kind of always shake out that a sympathetic team gets more sympathetic and an unsympathetic team they remain uh they remain unsympathetic or get more so mm-hmm. like if, if you know you never like learned a redeeming reason behind any of their antagonism at least mm-hmm. not on the path that i took with the people that i carried into these matches and they they will nod towards that a couple times right like there is an ongoing plot between pamatha and uh her sister Tamitha. And it's uh yeah, Tamitha. Tamitha and Pamitha. Where Pamitha will like straight up ask you and just be like, it's kinda it's my fault she's down here. Let mm-hmm. her win. Yes. You know? And you can do that. I didn't throw any matches. Again, because you know, I wanted to get at this point the game had lost that goodwill that would allow me to fuck around and do anything that I felt would, would make me stay in the game longer. Mm-hmm. Like the part of this that made me care more about the characters than the macro plot had had rotted on the vine. Yeah. Pretty much. Um, um, also during these sections, uh, you know, after your first couple of exhibition matches, you will get a messenger imp who comes by and delivers word about what happened, uh, to mm-hmm. these characters when they get to the, to the other side. So like rookie tried to fall into his old life, but eventually started, eventually got bored with that and fell into working uh, with the resistance. Join the resistance. Yeah. That's another thing too. I was certain uh, when I beat this, that my choices would impact whether people join the resistance. Yes. Um, there is one ending for this game. <laughs> like the characters you send up can be different, mm-hmm. but there is no Bastion style. Do you succeed or fail? Are you making a choice between, you know, a choice with cost? Right. If you send people up, they format a, a successful revolution. Mm-hmm. Period. Yeah. Like it is a very simple story. Yeah. Like it, it's like you were not trying to like build a team for the other side. Yeah. You send up, you know, if you send up rookie and he is more interested in being a merchant and living the life mm-hmm. of wealth, they're just going to like, Oh, you like, you, you don't make, yeah, you don't make any progress toward, toward the revolution. Like you should have kept even, him here. You didn't fuck up. You are playing with a bunch of different accesses. You have his strength on your sports team. Mm-hmm. You have uh, his strength as a revolutionary and you have whether you like him and you consider his needs. Yeah. That's a really interesting place to play in. Mm-hmm. Like uh, it uh, didn't happen. If, if I if I send up Joe Dariel and Pamitha, like maybe that harms the effort because they can't mm-hmm. get along and cooperate. Yeah, that would be great. Yeah. Like what if you what if you had to do what if this game instead of being 10, 10 hours of sports, mm-hmm. it was five hours of the rights. Mm hmm um condense all that stuff make the the big money rights happen sooner then you play the revolution yeah make it like fable Fable sports yeah i I haven't played fable two yeah unfortunately but you don't play the sports parts you now do the revolution it's a different system and the choices you made as far as who to send up with all those different things you were doing actually impact the success or failure or your experience in any way yeah you know that just sounds that sounds very neat or like 
I, this is weird pie in the sky. And I'm definitely not doing the thing. Like, why didn't you just program this really hard thing? <laughs> Can you imagine this as an asynchronous multiplayer where another player plays the revolution? Oh yeah. How cool would that be? <laughs> like that would be a more of a board game than anything, but like yeah. on one side you're doing this thing and they want the resources and you want the resources mm-hmm. and you have to like make trades with them. You know, they can send you down resources to improve your team through power-ups. You send them like your best players who also happen to be very good at revolution being revolutionary. Like yeah. there's just an interesting seed of this mm-hmm. that it completely fails to capitalize on <laughs> yeah. i mean and, and, and like there there's a a really simple re- way that this manifests as a bummer which is i'm down here playing these sports i'm really interested in what's going on with that revolution totally <laughs> like, totally like i am way more interested in this like society that outlawed literacy and came up with this weird fake religion mm-hmm and all this ritual to get rid of their people and overthrowing that yes and the fact that that is so such a no-brainer to me also meant that everything I did was recontextualized as good. You're right. Anyone I could send up, they're always going to contribute to the revolution. Mm-hmm. You know, there's never any, like the game would have to hint. It, may, it could just blindside you and be like, hey, Rookie just fucked off. Yeah. You know, instead of, and you send a Rookie up before you know about the revolution, mm-hmm. really, I think, or like right around them, but you don't yeah, know, yeah. Um, you're going to have limited people. You think you're going to send up everybody. Mm-hmm. Um, so like it could blindside you with that, but if not, like, the uh, the fact that everything every choice I could make was an unequivocal good to the revolution it makes it so it's not hard to make a choice. <laughs> and they want that all. yeah they want those choices to be difficult. That's where the drama needs to arise from. So because of that, the fact that I had sent up my friends mm-hmm. when I got to the end with my loser squad, <laughs> like that is why not only did that not land on me dramatically, it also just never felt like um, oh like I would have made a a sacrifice to do the opposite. If I wanted to keep the, um, the more dramatic and canonical characters down here, Mm -hmm. I would have fucked up the revolution. No, you know, there was just no consequence for anything in this game. It's all consequence that goes down to character. Yeah. And that is, again, it is just putting a lot of stress on a very shaky strut. Yeah. Of this. Like I liked it and I liked the characters. But I, it, that like is not infinite. I don't just have infinite amount of like nonsense. I'm going to go through like I'm not that invested in the life of Rookie. Right. Like I like Rookie. I think he's a likable character. I will. I'm not going to make he's not going to add a lot of dramatic weight to my decisions. Right. You know. Yeah. So big bummer. Big fucking bummer, man. Like th- this whole section is a bummer. And the way this plays into the end game is a bummer. There's you should talk about the arc with the old night wings. Yes. Um, I, I think instead of going through this list, just because it will get repetitive as it is to play. Yeah. I think we should talk about the two, two new players we have mechanically mm-hmm. and then talk about the arc with the old night wings. Yes. Uh, kind um, of in order. Yeah. So as we're sending our, our old team teammates away, uh, mm-hmm. we, you know, we, we need to like bolster our ranks sometime mm-hmm. because you may have just given up all of your offensive players. Well, that's good. Uh, because you end up getting your own bog witch. So big Bertrude ends up joining you. Mm-hmm. Uh, she's great. Yeah. She is a funny character. Like she's just like cantankerous mm-hmm. and stuff, but she has that soft side. She's in love with tree boy. <laughs> um, and uh, it's a non-reciprocal love, which I like. And they come to an understanding, which I like because that doesn't always happen in fiction. Right. Um, but she has, uh, it's very powerful to have a bog witch. Like she ended up being like, if I had got her earlier, she would have been in my, my Pamatha yes. slot. Cause I, she big scores. Um, her skill tree is awesome. Um, the first, 
tip on both of the sides are if you have more health than your opponent, all of your attacks do more damage. Mm-hmm. If you have less health than your opponent, all of your attacks do more damage. Yeah. Like, just, like that's awesome. You, you, like, you're making a, a choice buff. between do you press the advantage or do you, um, you know, uh, focus on defense? Like it is a or, really well, good. Or at the cost of one level, having a huge global buff, mm-hmm. having the equivalent of giving, you know, make, I do plus five damage in all circumstances. Yeah. Um, that is the equivalent of equipping every member of your team for perpetuity with a very powerful talisman for free. Yes. You know? Yeah. So super good. Very good. Um, uh, eventually a little bit after that, uh, Volfred has to get out his raiments again, uh, mm-hmm. you know, and you end up having a sap on your team and you have this defensive player who can put down the sap line. Mm-hmm. Um, I initially had no idea what the fuck to do with him. Uh, mm-hmm. but after a few rounds, uh, he's, he's a good, he's, he's good. Like he, like he has an asset on the team. He, uh, just ended up staying next to the pyre for me. Yeah. Like I didn't, I just wasn't forced to use him. Yeah. And wasn't that interested in exploring him. Like I could see his defensive value, but I don't see the global defensive value. Yeah. Uh, defensive value in the game. Mm-hmm. Um, he has two different builds, one of which makes him more defensive. One that is a, an offense build. Mm-hmm. I went down the path that let him blow up his sapling, That's which good. turned into a yeah. more traditional bomb mm-hmm. kind of thing. And that was made him useful when I had to use him. Yes. Yeah. Um, so as we go through these, we end up learning a little bit more about the original Nightwings, not least of which because one of the original Nightwings pops up uh, mm-hmm. and has a grudge against us. And he ends up being kind of the main villain of the game. Uh, it is yeah. a demon named Oralek. Yep. And this is all pretty cool. Yeah. Um, Oralek's whole thing was the original Nightwings made it to the end of the thing, but another one of his teammates pushed him out of the way and jumped into the stream instead. <laughs> So he was robbed. Like, didn't push him out of the way. Pushed him off the cliff. Yes. So he he was believed to have died. He actually survived. Mm-hmm. The uh, the the life stream or whatever that takes you up will only take the person who you choose. Yes, they'll only so be anointed. Dissolved. Yeah, she 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 went away. Um, yep. and weirdly enough, the other person on the team, the other like you know the the remaining living member of the triumvirate, uh, they ascended. Uh, and guess what? That is the voice. Yep. <laughs> And that starts sending you nightmares and trying to become kind of an unreliable narrator. Yes. Like when it tells you you have a betrayer in your team, which mm-hmm. you mentioned earlier, like you don't. No, you it have, just tells you have you Wolfred along with you. And uh, this the, this guy, the voice, is really invested um, in the Commonwealth staying in place because he is in a position of great power and privilege. Like mm-hmm. anybody who returns from being in exile, as this character did. Um, I need, I, I can't remember his name and I'm frantically searching the notes. Uh, it doesn't matter. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> but anybody who comes back from the exile, like is, is offered a, you know, basically a position of nobility kind of mm-hmm. to stop, <laughs> to, to, to stop what Wolfred is trying to accomplish from happening. Like mm-hmm. if you can make life sweet enough, you will not go and try and get justice, uh, for, you know, anybody else. Who for anything is... that was done or what was done to you. Yes. You know? Um, so, so you end up, you, you face the Nightwings a couple of times. Uh, the voice mm-hmm. says, wait, the Nightwings cannot fight the Nightwings. I cannot preside over this nonsense. Yep. Good night. Yep. <laughs> yeah. And that's what, that is why he was like, Tizo. Yeah. You know, he did not, he knew Tizo. Yeah. Tizo, we learned Tizo used to be on the old Nightwings. Yeah. Um, thing. Um, yeah. So this is where they introduced that second twist. So while we're dealing with the Nightwings drama of them, and they do a couple of things, they actually like sabotage a team before you can get there, get yeah. to them. Which is interesting, and you just have to, and this is actually a really elegant touch, you have to just dunk 
Uh-huh. Like you still have to do the right, but there's no opposing team. You just walk up and put the ball in the thing. Yeah. Well, the, um, so it's it's not sabotage. Eventually, after yeah. you go through enough cycles of this, fewer stars start showing up and everybody starts drawing the conclusion, oh, the door is closing on us. Mm-hmm. Whatever is happening here, the rights are coming to a close. Um, and when you get, uh, you know, like <laughs> when, when you get to, to that point, they decide, well, I'm not going to play. They lose hope. They don't show up to the right. Like where, you well, that, know, that happens too. But doesn't the um, the demon evil demon team like explicitly talk about getting their stuff sabotaged? Like I thought the next time you run into them, they're like, "Yeah, good job sabotaging our airship." Oh, I can't. Yeah, I, I, thought, I, I didn't see that. Okay, I'm pretty yeah. sure that I think that what you're talking about does happen. I think maybe it can shake out in different ways. Yeah, because um, this is a big loosey goosey like many 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 loops through the same cycle of like yeah. fight three bouts then do an ascension match. Mm-hmm. Um, but I thought that there was one time that Orlock sabotaged the team and then another time they lost hope. Right. So, but I thought Orlock actually sabotaged the demons. And in my game, it felt like that was what caused them to give up. Oh, huh. There's a, I'm, there's an extensive wiki. I can look it up <laughs> if I want to. It doesn't really matter. It's an interesting idea. Mm-hmm. Um, Orlock is definitely kind of cheating. They ram you at one point as well. Yes. <laughs> he was playing dirty pool. Yeah. Um, and it's kind of sympathetic, but also is so over the top snarling evil that I don't want him to ascend. No. Um, um yeah. I no. mean, like, so, so he, like, it's justified, like, why he would be angry. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. you know, because, because he was done wrong. Uh, but yeah, I don't know. It, it, yep. it, it, it manifests strangely. Uh, so eventually you get to the point where you, you know, you're down to your skeleton crew. You have to, like, do a uh, speech for them. Uh, you like, and this is kind of neat. Like it gives you, uh, this is the first time that you speak actually, um, everybody mm-hmm. else is kind of just reacting to you. Uh, but it gives you like sentences and when you click right. on them, instead of showing you context, it cycles through the di- the different options. You have to compose your, um, your, your last stand speech for them. Mm-hmm. And this is pretty great. Yeah. Like that's fun. Um, and it's not, there's no consequence to it. It's not like how good your speech does anything. <laughs> right. It's just kind of fun to compose. Yeah. Um, and I think um, that it actually like it, it ends up informing like some dialogue later because like I ended with saying the only failure is to stray from the path. And that was repeated several times. Yeah. 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 So it does. It does make you feel like it has that impact. Yeah. Um, we said this really quick, but I want to impart the importance of it. When we when they realize the stars are disappearing, um, Wolfred is the one who tells you this. And what that means is not everyone's going to be able to go. Right. And it starts off with you not knowing exactly how many more Ascension matches there can be mm-hmm. and longer waits between seasons yeah. until eventually you know how many people you're going to be able to to take up precisely. Right. Um, and so you get to the ending eventually. We've learned about Orlock. We've learned about the original Nightwings. Um, we have learned about uh, – we know how the revolution's going mm-hmm. more or less, which is good. At some point, the voice actually says like yeah. – Things are actually pretty rough going on right now. Yeah, the, you know, the, the, co- the Commonwealth is in flames, is what he says. Yep. Yep, yep. Yeah. Um, and we do our final liberation right against the original Nightwings. Yeah. Um, yep. This is tough. Um, I, I could have rallied and took it back, but I just, I, I ended up losing to them. Yep. I, I, it, not a weird brag. I could not find this game hard for the life of me <laughs> on normal. So I did not struggle against them very much. I think they maybe got me down half. Mm-hmm. But I, uh, even with, uh, I mean, I still had, I had Tizo and I had the Hag and I had the Tree Man mm-hmm. and Tizo and Hag. That's a weirdly balanced players. group that you ended up with. It is like, and it wasn't <laughs> on purpose. It just kind of 
worked out that way. It was the people who I thought were least deserving of freedom <laughs> um, or who would be happiest in the, in the downside. Yes. Yeah. You know? Um, and so I ended up not having too much of a problem with this. Mm-hmm. Um, but they are, it is, it is a noted difficulty boost. Yes. Yeah, for sure. There's really aggressive. And this is the team that, uh, that, that shoots the ball most often I noticed, mm-hmm. uh, which is not something I was necessarily used to dealing with. Um, so yeah, regardless of how this works out, um, the voice, <laughs> uh, starts to lose it, um, again, mm-hmm. asking you and, um, because I lost Oralek was the person who, uh, who, who was going to ascend, but you know, the circumstances have conspired, like, it, you know, he can choose who gets to go. Mm-hmm. Um, and he struggles with this. Uh, at least he, he did for me. Uh, you have an option for how to help him through this. I, I don't know that it, that it um, changes things. Again, extensive wiki. Uh, but then he chooses for me to be liber- liberated. Oh, um, interesting. Yeah. And so I ascend. <laughs> yeah, I, I too ascend it, but I chose to. Oh. I have the option to choose Arlock. I'm like not in a million years. <laughs> um, the only person on my team who is ready, Tizo and uh, the Hag, were not ready. Okay. Um, I don't know if they can become ready. But I could have sent up the tree man to lead the revolution. But I was like, the revolution's going really well. The hag is in love with you. Um, I have some resentment about this game, and I'm going to get me cookie. <laughs> uh, so my my character's going to get his cookie because I played along with this like character first thing and got to watch Tizo dramatically react to my speech. So <laughs> cool. I am mad, and someone's going to get punished. Yeah. So I went up. Yeah, but so so, so for me, as I ascended, you know. Um, the voice, you know, is talking about if it just basically is in full self pity mode asking, you know, the opportunity to gain your freedom from downside. Was it not enough? Mm-hmm. Um, of course it wasn't because you sent me down here in the first place. Don't expect me to be satisfied that you've done everything you could by giving me a chance to dance for your amusement. Yeah. When you punish a person for dreaming the dream, don't expect them to thank or forgive you. <laughs> okay. Like, yeah, there we go. Yeah. yeah no, thank, thank you. That's a, a, a good, yeah. a good poll. Thank you. Yeah. The, the, um, <laughs> and it's, he's saying that in a broader sense, there are shades of final fantasy 10 to this. Like oh. the idea was they created this religion of hope mm-hmm. to let these people keep going, Yeah, you know, and if they made it, they gave them a lot of riches and stuff, but they wanted to portray, perpetrate the system that keeps them on top. That's why I said capitalism earlier. Cause that's yeah, what happened. Yeah. The oligarchy we live in. Um, but Yes, of course not. Yeah. And when we get there, uh, again, an opportunity for shade that is abandoned. It is a totally peaceful bulbous coup. Yep. Um, the leaders just saw the people united because uh, the power of friendship compels them. Um, they saw it as an omen. They disbanded. It is a utopia now. Yes. Great. So they form uh, the Sarian Union and there is no more exile and no more literacy ban. Uh, however, uh, that does not free everybody who is down there because, you know, I, I like the sense that I get it is, is that it is not just a physical barrier between the upside and downside. Yes. You have to do something. Right. Like it, right. Yeah, it's, it's some kind of like there's the scribes had some real magic. Yes. You know. When the stars align, the rights shall come to bear. Illuminate the signs The exiles shall be there All are not the same But three shall 
And then you get this big cast of your characters. And is this a common visual novel thing where you have to read the epilogues for every single character in the game? No, no. Usually there's an ending and that's it. Okay. This I thought was extremely tedious and I was already very mad at the game. (laughs) Right. Because no matter what it did, like I did not care about Manly. Right. And I didn't care about uh, Ud Milde. You know, like it just didn't work. I don't care about Lendl accused. Yeah. Like. Like there are some of them, like like there 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 are some of these that are interesting, but mostly it just ends up, mostly it just ends up being they they were who they were. So like Manly, when he stayed, like you know, because he's back down there, uh, he believes there has to be a mechanical way to get out, and he bankrupts his family like trying to do you know crazy flying machines. Mm-hmm. You know, they they they, they send all the resources down to him. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, but that's, you know, it's, it, it doesn't have an awful lot of consequence because Orlex stayed on the other side. Like, you know, he ended up wandering around for a time, but eventually reconciled with Wolfred, you know, and their buddies. So, yeah. And, and, uh, these will be different depending on how you play. This is the, you know, so different characters, whether they made it out or the things you did mm-hmm. would be, uh, will, will determine this. Yes. You know, so fair enough. Mm-hmm. Right. And for the characters who I like to are on my team, mm-hmm. like this could be interesting yes, to me. But a lot of this game is perpetra- you're, uh, kind of relying on all of the characters being equally interesting and important to you mm-hmm. and being invested in all of them. Yeah. You know, and I just kind of just kind of wasn't right. You know, um, you know, the characters that end up on the other side will miss the people who are not. The people who are not will try to create their their lives on that side. Mm-hmm. That ties a little bit in that theme of like, how do we move on after a tragedy? Yeah. But we don't see it. We get like four lines of text about it. Yeah. After ten hours of bad NBA jam. Yes. You know. Yeah. Did you have any so, of the epilogues that you wanted to uh, wanted to highlight? Um, I'm trying to think of it. Not really. I clicked. Through, I mean, I read these, but mm-hmm. I speed read them. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I was just I didn't have any goodwill left really. Yeah. I liked that I could go up. I assumed that was going to be a choice mm-hmm. that I had. Um, I liked that, uh, you know, I liked the general thing that not everybody gets to go. Like, not everyone is fit for the Valley Beyond. Mm-hmm. Um, I like that in general. I did not like the way it articulated and played with the sports thing. So the ending of it, I was real checked out. Yeah, yeah. So. Yeah. There there are some of them. Like, so, like, it, I sent Tizo along, and he ends up becoming, like, a mascot for the revolution because they don't mm-hmm. actually have any you know, imps topside, like they're not native mm-hmm. to it. Um, and he was initially miserable until he fell in with Zay. Uh, Zay ended up presiding over the resurgence of worship of the scribes and became a saint, mm-hmm. uh, which was, she's something... like very God touched. I think that's what they call her. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Uh, my rookie hooked up with, uh, Tamitha hmm. or Pamitha. Like they became good friends and, and, and more. Yeah. Uh, so, um, which is cool, I guess. Mm hmm. That's good. Yeah. Um, um, Wolfred ended up um, kind of, you know, kind of leading the union from afar, but could only do so much, uh, mm-hmm. but eventually got revered for what he was. Uh, so I sent, uh, I, I sent Bertrude up. Um, mm-hmm. She she was up there. She actually ended up using her business acumen and kind of her knowledge of plants and things, you know, bog knowledge to uh, kind of help people understand how to manufacture ink and paper again. So kind of like leading the uh, leading the resurgence of literacy up there, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I have that, too, which I was glad. Yeah, I like was happy literacy. that Head, Headwind got a good uh, good ending because I liked him. 
Um, mm-hmm. uh, so he's, he stayed down, he stayed on downside. Um, and his lover, you know, the, 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 the harp that he would, you know, basically got exiled over, she found a way to go down and uh, join him and kind That's of cool. like ended up working alongside him and Jodariel to build a civilization and downside that is not necessarily, uh, concerned about the rights. That's interesting. Yeah. That's good. I, I don't think I, my head went up and I think he was just a good guy in the revolution. Yeah. You know, there wasn't, it feels like there are definitely things that like, it does feel like there were right choices mm-hmm. on who to send up and who not to, you know, like right. um, there's a part where you, when you have the match against uh, Pamitha's sister, um, they want you to send up the sister. She asked you to send up the sister. It felt like that was like the right choice. Yeah. But I just had my foot on the gas. Yeah. Too yeah. much. So like my Pamitha story was interesting you know, um, the, or she fell in love with Ruki, but I didn't get the resolution necessarily for that relationship. Right. You know, and it just, uh, yeah. Like when you, you know, the, the desire to do so was like hamstrung mm-hmm. by, by the sport. Yeah. You know? the, the, uh, the, the, the one, um, enemy epilogue that I do think is entertaining and fun, um, is, uh, what's Barker? his name? Yeah. Barker. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, he, he missed the rights. Like he, like he pretty much was just in it for the love of the game. Um, mm-hmm. and he recreated it and you know, kind of reinvented it as a spectator sport. So this is also yeah. an origin myth for sports for basketball. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Which is cute. Yeah. I, I found that to be cute. Yes. Um, um, uh, so let's talk about the reader as well. Like my guy just uh, like uh, was up top side, helped inform the forming of the union, but eventually, uh, fell from public life. Same. Yeah. So I don't know if that's something that, uh, you know, if that's set in stone or not. Yeah. Yeah. But I have the same, same kind of thing. Yeah. Um, and that's kind of pyre. Like, I'm glad I played it. There are more things I liked in it than it maybe came across. Mm-hmm. The second half just left such a bad taste in my mouth. And, uh, I think all of its big swings failed pretty spectacularly. Yes. So, um, is how I feel about it. Yeah. Um, same. I will play everything the studio makes. I mm-hmm. think that, you know, even as a failure, this is an interesting failure. It is still a beautiful game with amazing music and visuals, likable, yep. fun characters that I, you know, enjoyed spending time with when that was what I was doing. Um, and seeing the ways that the sports section came up short was frustrating because I think that it could, I think that it could have been fun. Um, I think that it, you know, there, there is potential sports games can be fun. And the idea of a, of a stat driven sports game, like that is really cool. Like give me those game boy Mario games, you know, or the game Game um, Boy Mario sports games before I deleted the hated curious cat, someone, uh, bombed me on there and it was about final fantasy 10. And it was, I don't know where they were like, if you like blitzball or like Blitzball is basically Pyre, so if you don't like Blitzball, you don't like Pyre. Like, before I had played Pyre, Burf. like, they were arguing one side of a thing. And one, <laughs> Blitzball is not basically Pyre, actually, no, in an extreme very way. different. Yeah. But, but what if it was? Like, I kept thinking, this should, I would have liked this if, so basically, the sports, like, the overarching theme, how simple it was, the way it has a sunny ending no matter what happens. Mm-hmm. Those are all manageable problems. They are not to my preference. I don't like those choices, but yeah. they are not death knells. To me, the death knell is how boring the sports sections are and how it contributes and uh, destroys the pacing. Mm-hmm. If you played way fewer sports, but it was like an overhead tactical turn-based thing, maybe. Yeah. Where like characters, tackles, um, or their casting would be like a cone. Mm-hmm. 
you know, that would have, but it would be like a strategic thing, you know, like as opposed to this kind of all offense, very limited complexity, you know, you just play one character and try to score yeah. um, sports game. Like maybe that would do it. You know, I was, I've tried to think of what you could plug into that would feed into the visual novel that would make it work. Like, I don't want JRPG battles nope. for it, um, but something that is less frequent and more fun would have actually done a lot. It still, I think would be my least favorite super giant game mm-hmm. because it's just that story is just like revolutions are good. Like there's just not a lot of meaning I can derive from it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I just, something there, something else on that half of the game would have made a big difference for me. Yeah. You, you describing that actually unlocks something in my head. How awesome would it be if they used transistors, um, tra- transistors, uh, turn-based system with this? Mm-hmm. Or where, like the hybrid, yeah, like, like the, that, that's that, that's what I mean. Real time you know, pause, yeah. So like like give you the ability to dial things in, pin it to an AP system. You can issue like you can set up plays for yourself by like you know dialing in what somebody is going to do and controlling somebody else while they do it. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> you know, and then just have it go like that. That eliminates the ability for this to be a multiplayer game, but I don't nece- necessarily care for that, and I don't know that like what the use. Case I don't know if it is. took off. Yeah, like, like I can't I imagine I'm, that it did. Um, Will of everything to Guppy uh, played this game, and I asked him. I was like, "Did you play the multiplayer?" He's like, "Yeah, I had somebody over and play it for an afternoon. It was okay." Yeah, and that was essentially his takeaway from it. Like yeah. he wasn't down on it, but he wasn't up on it either. And that's how I basically can imagine, even if I like the sports game, it doesn't feel like it has infinite replay value to me. Right, right. Like you'd have different mix-ups, like you'd choose your team and stuff. You could maybe create some interesting situations, but just mm-hmm. that controlling one guy at a time thing yeah. is a, such a limiting factor. Yeah. I know? can't imagine that they didn't try that, and there was probably a good reason why they didn't do it. Totally. Yeah. Because I mean, they already had the system. Like, <laughs> like, yeah, they, they had the system. I'm sure it was tried. Where I'm not trying to say, like, why didn't this occur to them? Yeah, yeah. I think maybe part of that was because game, sports games do have AI for defensive players. Mm-hmm. Like, sports games have players move who are not being controlled by the character. That's been true since the end, yes, right? Right. It is possible to do that. I think that what might have happened is that as a studio, like, I feel like Supergiants games as, like, a double-A, like, indie have generally been... Uh, in terms of like the complexity of what their mechanics do, they usually do more with less. Mm-hmm. So like the stuff in uh, Transistor, which I think is extremely satisfying from a mechanical standpoint, is not that complicated from a mechanical standpoint. Mm-hmm. Like the the different all those endless combinations of your your verbs and stuff are essentially just like the different waveforms that your attacks take. It doesn't feel like it would be it's that robust right it's just neat it's a cool idea Mm -hmm. and other than that you are just doing rpg combat you're doing essentially what bastion does on top of that with the real-time pause yeah it looks really stylish but as far as like what's actually being accomplished doesn't feel that ambitious to me Mm -hmm. um this it's like maybe they ran up against the edge of that you know like our scope as far as making this kind of complicated system like Sports games are really big business. Sports games with like robust AIs and stuff like that. Like they're mm-hmm. not going to have Madden money. No. Or Madden systems to do that. They're maybe not interested in it because they, the real focus is the story they want to tell. The real focus is uh, these characters and stuff. So that was just, maybe it was tried and it's just like, we could put the resources here, but we're going to make beautiful art, music and voice acting instead. Yeah. And really, really great writing. You know, I know that video games are not fungible, like the resources. It's not like <laughs> right. why didn't, I, we, we say this kind of thing all the time, but I, I recognize the fallacy and like, why didn't they just put some of this effort in this system and put it into this system? I know yeah. it's not that easy, mm-hmm. 
but I can only judge what's in front of me and what's in front of me. It is, is really hard to feel something with this kind of potential and not just make guesses or pitches at what could have fixed it. What yeah. might've made this work for me. And now if not fix work for me, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. So love it a bloop. I think I'm done. That's the pyre for you. Um, glad I played it. Uh, big thanks to uh, William Rouse mm-hmm. for suggesting it. Hopefully this does not break your heart. Never our intent. Never. Um, next episode, we'll be talking about Bioshock Infinite. Yeah. A game whose name you cannot speak without um, uh, just generally inviting a wave. Of, yep. Yeah. It, it is It, of it is an incredibly course. animating game. Yep. It is a, is a discourse magnet. And we're going to yes. discourse it. Maybe. Yep. <laughs> um, a bunch of people asked me whether we're covering the DLCs. We will talk about them. We're not going to cover them in depth. Nope. Um, and yeah, if you, uh, that's the last game we're doing for this month. That is our first premium episode. Yes. So, so uh, if you're listening on the public feed, you will get the generalities um, and a small message about going to the Patreon. The Patreon has the full episode. Yep. And that is just five bucks a month. Yes. So for five bucks a month, you get that full episode. Watch, waff out, watch out for fireballs. Waff mm-hmm. out for fireballs. Yep. Uh, <laughs> that full episode. That stand for. BYOBB. So you get that full episode. You also get two episodes of Bonfireside Chat. You get uh, a month. You get uh, two episodes of Abject Suffering. Extra. A month. On top of the extra. others you get. That's crazy. For yeah. five bucks, you get five extra episodes of, of a thing. Yeah. Good value. Folks. I think so. Yep. Yeah. Um, and it only goes up from there. You can check out what we have on offer. If you go to patreon.com slash duck feed TV, mm-hmm. um, people have been, we changed the way that uh, mandating games happens mm-hmm. where instead of it being a thing that you do over the course of a long time, it is a kind of a, you patronize, you get the choice mm-hmm. and you can keep doing it if you want to, but also we understand people change their thing back to an appropriate level. Mm-hmm. Um, people have been killing it with those. We have this, this game included, like we have nothing but, interesting cool things for the first half of 2019 mm-hmm. to do uh that are listener suggestions or yes. mandates yeah so very awesome i'm really proud like not proud it's a weird weird thing to say <laughs> i'm very happy with how people have come through on that yes so yeah um i am also jazzed yeah sorry i didn't mean for that to sound wooden i just don't again i don't know that okay. anything on top that of that is the feeling tfw win jazz um so uh if you have things to say about uh super mario 2 pyre or uh bioshock bastion. infinite i almost said pyre and bastion uh mm-hmm. we did that episode several years ago that wouldn't make any sense you might still have time to put that in the deadline for each month's dispatch episode for like game responses is the 15th of that month there still is ample time to uh write in about uh our games in march so by march 15th mm-hmm. if you go to uh duckfeed.tv slash contact you can write in about um what are we doing papers please we are doing papers please frost we're doing frost punk and we are and doing Stalker, Stalker Shadow of Chernobyl. Shadow of Chernobyl. I was just trying to like literally match, sync <laughs> yeah, up with you. I, I figured, yeah, about, half, about halfway through, I knew it was going to be a um, thing. <laughs> it was one of the uh, one of our last theme months. Uh-huh. We have a couple more still on deck. Uh, that theme is Desperation. Yes. Um, and that's awesome. All three of those games are super interesting to talk about. I've almost done with my uh, replay of Papers, Please. Mm-hmm. And if the people who made that didn't get like awards for sound design, <laughs> I'm going to start a revolution. Yep in another world yeah because the the shuff and click (laughs) and like so much like i find that game more stressful than 10 resident evils yes i find that game extremely stressful to play to me Mm -hmm. but all of the fun parts of it just come from how good 
every single action in that fucking game feels <laughs> yep. that's all the noise it makes yeah it is kind of amazing actually yeah. Um, on the other side of that, I am incredibly horny for Frostpunk. That oh, yeah. seems like so much my kind of jam. I've it been could. wanting to play it for a long time. Uh, and Stalker, additionally, all kinds of my shit. So it could. Yeah. Here's here's a tiny spoiler that happens in the first couple seconds of Stalker. Okay. Stalker is a grim dark game that happens in Chernobyl. Mm-hmm. Your standard, the only sign off you can do when you're done talking to somebody is see you exclamation point <laughs> so after all of this intense dialogue about like the you know may the zone take me all these like very dramatic very dour russian survivalism stuff right you go see you can't fix my voice yeah but that's essentially what it is it's not voice but it's so funny to me like it makes me laugh every time see you um that is a good ass game though like it is super good um if you have been scared off it, it is like read a before i play thing mm-hmm. on it it's not that scary yeah it is doable so all um, a bunch of good stuff yep we have cool ass shit we have the next month planned out as well mm-hmm. um the next month being april we will be at the midwest gaming classic i know yeah mm-hmm. we're milwaukee be... wisconsin yes we will be there talking about creative games mm-hmm. by which means specifically games that allow you to create yes as part of them either game maker style software not mm-hmm. not software game maker style games like mm-hmm. we're doing you know commercial products not yes design software um but games that let you make games games that let you make music games that let you make animations things like that it will be a brief you know a relatively brief overview we have 45 mm-hmm. minutes or so for those episodes yeah, yeah um but it will be a fun good time yep and you know i'm going to be talking about jet set willie yeah yeah Jet Set willie's happening bro <laughs> uh it is uh I'm going to be talking about Big Wet Billy. <laughs> the, um, so please come out and see us. We'll be tabling as well. Yes. We'll have a table. We have a game set up. We will have buttons and stickers more than you could ever possibly want. Yes. Um, and uh, please come take them. Uh, you, you, will, you, you will cry. You will rend your garments saying, all these buttons, no. Mm-hmm. Um, You'll take them home and dive into them like Scrooge mm-hmm. McDuck, and your family will have a funeral because they're buttons. <laughs> yes. So, the, um, oops, funeral. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So that is April 12th, 13th, and 14th. Mm-hmm. And finally, uh, at that episode, um, the response to the first dispatch episode has been really kind. Yeah. Um, just I'm putting this out there as many times as I can. If you usually skip the old response episodes, we replace them with something new that I think has more broad appeal. Yes. So please check out the dispatch episodes every month. That's the last episode of the month. Mm-hmm. Um, that is, you know, we recognize that with the premium episodes, we are taking something away. We want to give something back as well. Yeah. And we have a big, huge chunk of like two hour meaningful content mm-hmm. that we are putting in that. That includes like a Q&A, a long form discussion and uh, also your responses yeah so hit those up please do Mm -hmm. uh i think we can let the nice people go gary i think that's probably about it ascend (laughs) um so until next time what should they uh watch out for uh watch out for my slam jams yeah welcome watch out for the slam and welcome to the the (laughs) jam welcome to the slammer dimension